and welcome to the Legends Lounge. My name's Andy Cousins and I'm chairman of the Official Supporters Club. Thank you very much for attending this evening. Um, we are uh, privileged to, uh, to have some very special guests with us tonight. Uh, and, but first of all, may I just uh, thank uh, a couple of people that have put this together. Uh, the Official Supporters Club, especially Hannah, who's put all this together um, at sort of fairly short notice. Um, so thank you very much for that. Uh, we're also, tonight, we are streaming it uh, via audio. Uh, thanks very much to the Sutton Broadbent Lounge for doing it, and Joe over there, who will be doing all the things. Um, basically, the format tonight, what we'll do is we'll, um, think we'll bring the panel on in a little while, um, and we will have questions uh, for about an hour. We will then break. Um, the bar is open all the way through this, and the kiosk will be open at half-time. Uh, and then you can come. We'll come back for sort of half eight until until there's uh, you know the questions are exhausted. Um, just a few parish notices. Um, you probably all know where the toilets are there and there. The fire exits are there and there. Um, and I think that's just about everything to say. Uh, apart from uh, we have another event here on Monday, October the third, uh, where we have a Monday night panel. We're not having another one uh, as as we're Lee Peacock and Christian. Roberts here uh, for the provider to go on our web and come and join us on that one as well. I'm sure that will be very interesting. Right, without any further ado, um, what I basically will happen is Vic will, uh, will take questions from the floor uh, and also if you've got the, the, little, um, the little pieces of paper, you can write on them and also at half time. Uh, and also um, the good men from the Saturn Broadbent will be wandering around with one of the microphones. I believe, isn't it? Uh, and so they'll be able to, uh, you know, you can ask your question if you'd like from the floor. All right. Without further ado, I'll hand you over to the inimitable, inimitable Victor Morgan. Thank you. Other words have been used, trust me. Uh, before we get into it, I just wanted to say a few words uh, about the disappointing news tonight, uh, today. I know a lot of you here uh, Swindon Robins Speedway fans, and I read the news the same as you did. No more Speedway in Swindon, which is terrible. So, uh, all of those of you who have attended Blunsdon and watched the likes of Briggs and Kilby and Ashby and Keane and all those people, very sad news today. Swindon Robins, no more. So, hopefully, one day, who knows? Right, uh, should we get some guests on uh, to paraphrase Graham Norton? I think we should. Ladies and gentlemen, would you pause, uh, please put your hands together for our Chief Executive, Mr. Rob Angus. Our uh, Technical Director, Mr. Sandro Dumakaley. Grimsby on Saturday, you might have noticed this gentleman stride over to the away fans. Give us that snarl to say, yes, we've won. Would you please welcome our head coach, Mr. Scott Lindsay.
go on, give us a snog, go on. Ladies and gentlemen, next, the man who really needs no introduction. He saved the football club. Didn't save neighbours, but I'll let him off that. Would you please welcome our chairman and owner, Mr. Clenmore Foonie. Right, this evening is all about your questions. Um, I'll ask a couple to start with, but really it's all about yours. We want to know what you think, how you think it's going, all that kind of thing. The one thing I would start off with, gentlemen, I know some other football league clubs are meeting in Walsall to discuss the cost of living crisis, etc., etc. Early kickoff times is one of those things being discussed. Who wants to take that one? Rob? <laughs> Oh, there we go. That's better. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that's obviously been topical at the moment, the early kickoff times. Um, we're something that we'll have to weigh up. Personally, we've worked out um, the calculation of the cost of the floodlights. I personally think that the, the loss of revenue from an earlier kickoff and the struggle maybe of people to get to the game for you know families who, who maybe have children playing football on a Saturday morning then rushing to a game afterwards... I'm personally not in favour at the moment. We'll, we'll listen to the arguments to assess it, but for me, it's, it's, you know, I'm not sure it's going to going to make sense. And I think you lose more revenue from the costs that you'll that you'll save from our football club. But we'll we'll work it through. But I, I'm not convinced at the moment. And of course, in the depths of winter, say November, December, you'd have to put the floodlights on anyway, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you probably have to put them on on a bit. Absolutely. Um, so as I say, and. For the saving it will generate, if you're just really talking about the floodlights, I'm, I'm not convinced. I know, Sandra, you've had a chat with Mansfield, haven't you? Um, but for me, I, I can't see it. And if equally, if we were chatting before, if we're going away somewhere where we might not normally uh, have an overnight, but because it's an area kickoff, you need one, then that's going to add additional costs to us uh, as the away club. So um, I'm not sure. Looking forward to Barrow on the 17th of December, I can tell you. <laughs> Sandro, what, if I might ask you then, what have uh, Mansfield said? Because obviously we play Mansfield a couple of weeks after their game against Walls, they put forward already. So what's your thinking on that one? Yeah, look, um, Mansfield came to us and, and they've been the club that have probably been uh, the most active and the most vocal about this. I had Sharp on Jim White uh, yesterday morning talking about it. They believe financially it makes sense for them. Um, naturally, it's going to come up tomorrow at the EFL uh, meeting. Um, and they just, I know David well, and he said to me, you're one of the clubs that, you know, we're going to speak to. Is it something that you'd entertain? Now, Scott and myself have had a good chat about it. We've, we've got to finalise the decision. We've got to go back to Mansfield tomorrow. But there's lots of factors for us to consider. And, and there's also like a, a footballing kind of, we're creatures of habit, right? And, and the lads get into routines, your pre-match meal, you know, all that preparation in the build-up to the game. It obviously starts a long, long time before it starts, days before. But um, there's lots of other things to factor in. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably bore you all with talking about numbers and data later on. But, you know, we, we look at how we perform um, on various kickoff times and, and away trips and length of trip, etc. So um, I, I think probably... Sort of waffling a little bit and getting to the point where we're all in agreement. Three three pm kickoffs, three pm Saturdays. That's what football's all about. Don't want to change it. 
got three wins on the bounce, Lindsay. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, obviously, you've got to prepare a team, haven't you? And if you're suddenly going to play at half past 12 on, you know, a barrow on a Saturday lunch, all sorts of plannings uh, go into and making sure they're right for that game. Well, first of all, like uh, Rob said, that we'd potentially look at um, doing the Mansfield uh, A trip. If it's an earlier kickoff, then it would have to be an, an overnight. So, like Rob just said, it'll be a, an added cost to the club anyway. From my point of view, uh, the preparation, obviously, uh, we'd have to change things in terms of their pre-match meal would almost be a breakfast, um, and then we'd, we'd have to get them out of bed earlier and on in order for us to do that. Like, you know, um, so it does get in the way of prepping the game for sure. Um, we're used to prepping uh, for a three o'clock kickoff, and that's, in my opinion, how it should it should remain. Claire, what are your thoughts on that? I think you'll probably be back on the other side of the planet by then. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? I don't think we should do it. I think we should start at three o'clock. Simple. Fair enough. <laughs> there you are then. All right, we've got a question at the back. If you'd like to stand up, shout your name and tell us what the question is, please. As I understand it, and, and as I say, Sandra and I at the EFL meeting tomorrow, so we'll know a bit more, but both clubs have to agree. So if, you know, one club, you know, instead you want to do it and the other said, said no, then you revert back to the three o'clock. Unless we hear different tomorrow, that's my understanding. Okay, fair enough. Right, let's move on to your questions from the floor then. We, we've heard they're pretty unanimous in the fact they want to stay at three o'clock, which is good news for those who travel from a long way away, which is another factor, isn't it? People have journeys into uh, right, anybody who want to stand up and ask a question to our panel? Yeah, right. <laughs> that means I've got to put my glasses on then. Okay. Yeah, let's have a look. I've got one here. Sorry about this. Right. Now, good question. Um, bearing in mind what happened last season, we'll probably ask this to Sandro and to Scott. This is from Old Duffer Ratter. The Old Duffer videos are magnificent. Watch them on YouTube. I think it is that. Um, what is the risk of loan players being recalled in January? We seem to lose loan players after improving them. Now, Luke just got, got his first goal on Saturday. What is the situation regards Plymouth Argyle? Yeah, so the situation with Plymouth Argyle is we've agreed a season-long loan for Luke, but we have the option to make it a permanent transfer the option to make it permanent has to be activated in january so um now that and of course that's what's been agreed between both clubs as we did on the first of september deadline day that doesn't mean we can't also arrive at agreements and arrangements outside of what's been agreed but essentially we've agreed a fee already if we want to make it a permanent deal if we didn't want to make it a permanent deal Plymouth have the option to recall every loan deal that the, the parent have, have the option to recall a player. And this applies to us when we send players out on loan. Um, you, you've kind of got this double-edged sword, which I think you're all aware of. Um, you want them to come in and do well, but you don't you get worried if they start doing too well. Um, so so that's kind of where, where we are. And the same would apply to some of the other lads that are on loan, the likes um, Fraser. Uh, Kira Brennan, Solbrin, etc. Like, so we're mindful of that. Um, we're, we're confident that, certainly in the case of Luke, we've kind of covered ourselves to prevent that eventuality from happening. And you just, 
you, you hope that you've got a good enough relationship with the club and, and the lads are good, but not so good that their parent club want to take them back. Yeah, I think we saw, didn't we, last year, um, with Kane Kessler being the main one when we played Man City, I think. Stephen Gerrard must have been sat at home watching that on telly and then called him back the next day, pretty much, wasn't it? You know, so we have to run the risk of that. Um, and last last year, it was almost like we built two squads, in effect. We built one at the start of the season and then three or four of the loans went back and then we had to rejig it around again. So it's not ideal um, and we're hopeful that that doesn't happen again this season, but kind of the risk you take when you do take a, a number of loan players. Um, as you know, we're streaming this in conjunction with this Tom Broadband Lounge, and they asked lots of questions from people who, who listen to that podcast. This is out and about in the crowd, and they'll pick a winner of what they think is one of the questions tonight to pick up a Dan Design special print. So, uh, well worth having a go. Ellis, what questions have we got? We've got two winners, actually. I've uh, got two prints. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Sorry. Um, two seconds. Is it on? Hello. Yeah, on. Um, right. First question from Pie Man on Twitter. Um, how long till we can call the county ground our own? Clem Morfuni, you are the man. You may have some news for us. What news might you have? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are putting the deposit down on the 31st of January. We've already done a deal with council. Um, so that's it. Um, guaranteed. So that's what we're doing. And then we've got a six months completion. At the end of January, then, where does that put you? Does it the 50 50 with the trust that's in place and the county ground belongs to the club? And 50% to the trust, is that right? 50% the club and 50% the supporters group trust. What about the current financial situation? Does that have any bearing on it? So you know, you know, the business, the markets are up and down there and there. Does that have any bearing on it? In what respect? <laughs> <laughs> have you agreed a price and the value will stay the same? That kind of thing? Yeah, that was the whole deal. We did that. We... When do we agree that, Rob? The number. A of yeah, we agreed the number a couple of months ago. Um, we done a deal with council, and so we're actually putting the deposit down on the 31st of January. Fantastic news. I think we all are looking forward. And I, and I assume when that's happened, you can go ahead and start with the plans that you've got in place to, to improve the ground? Absolutely. So we're going to do planning permissions as soon as we get the the deal done, um, and then go from there. Fabulous news. I think we all wanted to hear that, didn't we? <laughs> Got any more, Alex? Um, yes. Um, sort of following on from that question, um, to raise more money and elevate the use of the county ground, when are we looking at potentially using it for concerts, etc.? Rob, do you want to take that? I mean, the, buying the ground to be massive for the for the football club and obviously the supporters. It creates, you know, an asset, a legacy for the club. Obviously, we've then got to, as Glenn set out, look at the developments and the time those developments. Those, I think, you know, will take priority. 
we have looked at the idea of, of, of concerts. We looked at last year. The, the thing that we need to bear in mind is the pitch um, and the time it takes for the pitch to be repaired and work on it during the summer means that the window you've got is actually quite small, um, which put paid to last summer. So it's something we're, we're keen to look at. But, you know, getting a great pitch for, you know, Scott and the team to, to play the fantastic football they do on is, is, is a real priority for us. And obviously we'll have the development focus as well. So it's something we'll consider, but it's not top priority. Fabulous. We'll come back to your questions in a little while. I've got more from the floor here. This is from Anna T. Hello, Anna. Um, Re-squad retention season on season. Um, STFC, a bottom of the League 2 table based on player minutes. Accumulated 2021-2022, just below Rochdale, Hartlepool and Gillingham. Question, what are retention plans for future seasons? Um, Sandra. I think the retention plans are probably quite evident in the length of contract that we've given to players this summer. That's, that's the key thing. So, yes, there's been a big turnover this summer. Uh, quite a lot of players left. And obviously we've signed a lot, I think, 21 in total, I believe. So, um, But we've kind of laid down the foundations down now. We've done the hard work. If you look at the length of contract of the majority of players that we've signed, they're, they're two-year deals. Most of them, the club has an option on as well. So we've got this, the club into a position now that I'd call them club-friendly deals. Effectively, we're on the right side of the deal. If the player goes on and does really well, which we're confident they all will do because they're very good players. Um, we've got the club is protected now. That protects us for, from a resale perspective and, and and so on and so on. But what we didn't want to do was twelve months on from where the club was, we're in a very different position. We're in a position where we can offer longer deals. Obviously, being under embargo makes it much tougher. But we're now in the situation now where we won't have too many of those situations develop where we've got a very good player and um, their contracts are allowed to run down and they're allowed to walk out for nothing. So uh, that will then answer your question about retention. So if we had this conversation in 12 months' time, I'd expect us to be at the top of that list because um, the majority of players that we've signed will still be contracted next year and longer than that and will still be playing for the club. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, listen, from my point of view, I think it's important that we have a, a settled squad. You know, I don't like chopping and changing players. I don't think it's healthy. I don't, I don't, I don't think you support us like that either. Do you? you know, you get familiar with certain players and I think it's good for the club to keep that. I think uh, moving forward now, like Sandro just alluded to, is, is the fact that we've got players on two and three year deals. So, you know, we, we see this squad now as the future certainly in the next two, three years anyway, you know, so you can build relationships with them players. I think that's important. Right, anybody on the floor want to put their hands up and ask a question? George, what do you want to say? Mr. Angus. I mean, it comes down to, you know, it's a commercial deal that a lot of clubs want to keep confidential. It seems to the way it's gone through now. Um, and also, you know, a headline number doesn't often help. So quite often these days, you know, they're, um, they're paper made over a number of years. So they're spread. You can see a headline deal and everybody would be excited, but that might be paid over four or five years. And equally, deals are quite complex as well. Um, so it depends if you include all the variant ones that might be a deal and stuff like that. 
So I think that's probably where you get to it. And people not wanting to show as well their hand that you know that they're they're willing to to spend X for a certain type of player. We, I mean, I think in the broader now, you know, at the moment, you know, Newcastle United, for example, are worried about the Newcastle tax because everybody knows they've obviously got a lot of money now, and they therefore don't want to be seen or heard that they're paying over a certain amount. So I think it's just the way the market's gone now, really. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree with all of that. I, I do think, I know as a fan, you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, this goes like, they actually paid an awful lot for them. But it does work both ways. Obviously, both clubs have got to want to agree to announcing the figure. But you don't really want a load of clubs knowing that you've got a load of money burning a hole in your pocket because you're going to pay over the odds here at the Newcastle tax point. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's something that kind of, it has its pros, it has its cons. It probably doesn't appease you fans as much because you want to know the, the sort of the gritty details of it all. But it does help us as a couple of the time for the fee to be undisguised. Undisguised. <laughs> we'll ask you again later. Alice, you got any more? Uh, yes. Um, this one's from Rob. Um, now that the w women's team has uh, been brought into the club, how do the club plan to promote the team and take advantage of the success of the Lionesses this summer? And will the women's team play games at the county ground? So we've got a clem on that, because I know you're keen on this, aren't you? So that's just... Yeah, how about that? What was the question again? <laughs> um, now that the women's team has been brought into the club... How do the club plan to promote the team and take advantage of the success of the Lionesses this summer? Um, look, I we went to we came here and had a look at the women's team, and obviously they weren't combined enough together. So we, I went and had a look at it. We, we're going to take over the media, take over the um, the kit, the managers, and put money into it and get some new kit for them, managers, um, and promote them through our media people. So. And um, also, are you planning on uh, the women's team playing here at the county ground? Yeah, there's, I think there's two, two games that are going to be played at the county ground, and there's about four at the Foundation Park. I think there's already been a game played, and I went there on last Sunday, had a look at the game. So, yeah, they play pretty well, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, right, Scott, let's oh, stop that squeaking. What are you doing? Um, Scott, can I just ask you about those last seven minutes and 54 seconds on Saturday? Which, you know, for those of us who were there, we're at the other end, right? Everything's happening at that end. We have no idea what's going on. It's just a scramble, quite frankly. How are you? Well, Sol, Sol Bryn was just outstanding within the moments, wasn't it? When you've got when you've got a goalkeeper of you know that quality, you know it settles your nerves a little bit because you know that whatever happens, he's gonna he's gonna probably pluck one out the top corner anyway. You know, and he, he certainly did that. I thought he was outstanding. Um, yeah, when the seven minutes went up, I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I thought, wow, this is gonna be the longest seven minutes ever. But you know, and that was really in the moments when they did put it on us as well because I felt throughout the game, I felt we were in charge for most of it. I felt that we. Controlled. I thought it was dominant. I thought it was probably certainly the first half was the best we've played. Uh, second half, obviously, with the sending off, became a different game. Um, we had to obviously change shape, um, one man down, and 
And it wasn't till them last seven minutes when they really put it on us. Um, but the lads were unbelievable. They put their bodies on the line for the club and, and, and the cause, and I was really pleased for that. That was a magnificent performance and a very nice journey back. Thank you very much indeed for that. That's very good. Right, got more questions. Um, let's have a look. Uh, for pre-season next year, can you arrange a friendly in Gloucestershire as there are a lot of fan base there? Um, I think this is from... Yeah, there we are, lovely. Uh, I mean, how, how do you go about rearranging pre-season friendlies? I mean, for those of us who live in the southwest of England, play Tiverton, Plymouth, Exeter, that would be lovely. Thanks very much. Um, but how do you go about setting all that up? Who wants to say that? It's, um, it's one for me and Scott, really. We, I'll be honest, we haven't had conversations yet, but it's on my list of things to do um, when the window closes. You know, it gives you time to focus on other things that need to be done. We we just, I suppose, really, you kind of work from the first day, you start from the first day of the next season and kind of work backwards from there. So, um, yeah, we haven't really, I don't think we've got any kind of arrangements in place. There's a couple of non-league clubs, obviously, that we have good relationships with, that we've got historical friendlies against that we like to play but I think we're kind of quite flexible a lot of it would depend on what division we're in as well you know if we got promoted maybe a little pre-season to a chairman <laughs> so look, yeah so we'll um there's a lot to think about but what we do need to do is start planning for it because likewise you, we'd also like to bring someone decent to the county grounds, maybe for one game ahead of the start of the season as well. So lots of factors and, you know, there's kind of a commercial element to it as well. Um, so, yeah, lots to think about. And then I suppose it's a case of me and Scott sitting down and working out what we're going to want from the players' perspective in, in terms of how we get their preparation right for the start of the season. Yeah, from my point of view, I don't like too many games. And from honest with you, I've been at clubs before where they've had seven or eight games and I feel it's too many, really. You know, I, I think five... Uh, and possibly even to six, he's, he's more than enough for, uh, from my point of view. Um, like Sandro just said, I think that we've got good relationships with certain non-league clubs that we'll always probably do them pre-seasons with. Um, but apart from that, there's no kind of real set way of what we want to do and we want to play really. I think that it's important as well, possibly going to the last week before the season starts that we play somebody. I think this season was quite good in terms of that if the game was a good one for us to prep leading into the into the league uh, fixtures um, and I think that's always an important one that last one um, but really speaking I'm not over bothered um, in terms of the quality we play or where it is um, Sydney would be nice <laughs> over to you Mr Chairman right any more from the floor let's uh, yeah back How is the team performing against the expected data that you um, came up with? I, I mean, let's talk about data then, Sandro. Um, I think anybody who's watched Jake Wakeling play will think, boy, that worked, didn't it? Um, so how are they performing in terms of what you thought they might do? Yeah, um, that's a good question. How are we performing against expected data? I'd say we're... We are we're, uh, we're comfortable with at the moment. We're seeing improvements game on game. We're starting to see this kind of upward trajectory in the way our players are performing. Um, 
the data helps us identify and kind of shortlist and identify players, kind of filter um, at, at the early stage. I think a lot of what we do with the data is also looking at kind of the, the upside in players. So if you looked at the average age of the squad this year, it, it's significantly lower than it was last year. So that means see, players have got growth potential in them, which is good because that, that means they have good resale value. And I think some players develop at different rates. I think we knew Jacob was a player that we really liked, that we'd identified, that fits, ticks all the boxes for what a Swindon Town footballer looks like. He's probably a little bit ahead of where we thought he was going to be, but I wouldn't say we're all sat there pinching ourselves that we're hugely surprised because we knew we'd signed an exceptional talent. It just, people develop at different rates, you know, and I think that same with all people in different walks of life, isn't it? So um, some players maybe are a little bit behind where we thought they'd be. I think a lot of the group are probably slightly ahead of where we thought they'd be. I think Tom Clayton's one that's, um, he's played more games and more minutes than we thought he was probably going to do at this stage. But again, Scott and I wouldn't be hugely surprised by that because we knew we were signing an exceptional player with real, um, with real pedigree. So you, we're kind of, about on course of where we are, maybe slightly ahead, but I think the important thing is we're seeing um, we're seeing good development and and players starting to improve game on game. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Sandro's just hit the nail on the head there with everything he's just said. But from from a team point of view as well, we've we've obviously just finished ten games or ten league games, and we've just done a review kind of on data as well regarding where we can improve. How, what, what can we learn from the 10 games that we've, we've just played? So that's an important uh, meeting that we had this week in terms of, uh, in terms of that. We, we look like um, we've improved game on game for sure. I think everybody in this room would probably agree with that. Um, and hopefully that will continue. There's going to be dips in the road for sure. Um, but we're really pleased with how things have gone. And certainly in terms of the, in terms of the recruitment, um, we're pretty pleased with it. Um, you know, I think it's clear to see the strength in depth, right? Reedy didn't play Saturday. Johnny Williams didn't play Saturday, yet we still go and churn a performance out like that and win away from home. So we must be doing something right in terms of that. So we're really pleased. Ellis, you got any more for this the Tom Broadbent Lounge? Yes. One from Steve. Um, individually to all of the panel. What areas of your job do you think you succeed in and what areas still need improving? <laughs> Gosh, he wants to kick that one. Oh, Rob, here you are. Uh, there's lot, lots of room for improvement, Clem always tells me. <laughs> no, no, look, um, ho hopefully I, 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 I try and sort of um, uh, focus, focus on, on trying to sort of ensure that we're, we're building to be in a sustainable football because that's I think really important to build the, the foundations and making sure you know that we're um, we're building a strong Swindon Town Football Club for the future. Hopefully, engaging with you guys and it helps a bit. I'm trying a bit of an understanding of the area, being a, being obviously a local boy and a, a fan for many years. But look, there's still loads that we want to do to make improvements to make the club better, uh, and there's lots of areas to to make improvements, which is which is great in one way because I think we've. We've come a long way from 14 months ago and the club's in a much stronger position than it was, but there's still loads to do and, uh, and we'll continue to grow and get better and stronger. <laughs> uh, there was, it was a manager. There was a manager last season when he was asked a 
about that. And he said the biggest room in his house is the room for improvement. So, um, I, yeah, look, I, I think I'm big on process and, and structure and that's like kind of really boring, um, not sexy stuff, but it's a lot of stuff that kind of we've, I've put in place that felt was important to have in place at the football club. Uh, I'd like to say I think recruitment's been quite strong, but I, I think that's something that you never quite get right. You never completely perfect it and you're always looking at how you can get better and, and how you can you can kind of improve and tweak that. Um, areas of improvement, um, probably giving the gaffer more of the things that you ask for, to be honest. No, 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 I was never worried about six games. I think if you become a football club that starts measuring success on six games, then you've got a much bigger problem, which is ultimately what, where's your strategy taking you? So, no, absolutely not. I think the most important thing was myself and Clem and Rob getting the strategy right when I joined the football club. If you get that right, that then becomes the kind of Bible that you that you base it. So, as long as the reality is you can play badly and win four matches and you play very well and lose four matches, make sure that everything we do is driving towards our strategy on a daily basis and, and, that, and that's what we're doing and what's doing brilliantly. I think uh, I really enjoy being on the grass with the players, you know, and preparing the team um, for a Saturday. I like I like watching the opposition and, and really understanding how we can beat them and how we can hurt them and what we need to do, what team I need to pick. And, and then implementing that on the training ground, I really enjoy that um, in the mornings, you know, um, getting on the on the training ground with the staff, um, with the coaching team that I've got and really structuring the day uh, in terms of what they're going to do throughout the day and how they're going to train, what we're going to work on. Um, I find that kind of the best part of my job. I really enjoy that. What do I need to improve on? I, I, I've literally... Um, probably need to manage my time better. Um, I probably need to be more efficient with how I work. I um, have days off like everybody does, but I don't choose to use it as a day off. I'll go home and watch Northampton Town for argument's sake. So I've literally, I think I've had one day off since we started, in, and that was uh, my dad's birthday. I probably need to um, have that moments where I have to have time and I need to structure myself better. Um, but you know, obviously, with me first coming into the job, I want to succeed, and I'm putting everything into it. So it's just about being more efficient with how I work. I feel. Thank you. <laughs> um, what am I good at? I think I'm good at running the business side of the club, um, getting the debt down, and getting things done. To improve, I think speeches and doing interviews. I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm crap at. Um, and playing football on Wednesday night at Foundation Park, I think I could play a lot better. Actually, Clem, you've got your family over with you at the moment. I mean, it must be nice to have your family over. I guess you're going back soon, but how is it when you've got the family as well? It's good that my wife's here, that she's here, uh, but it'd be good if my son was here. It'd be a lot better, but hopefully he'd be here at Christmas time. Well, we want you back at Christmas time, I think it's fair to say, don't we? Don't we? Uh, yeah, trust me. Okay, please. Yeah. 
like you said, it's probably the best part of football we've played this season. We dominated, but the players were confident in it. Okay. Yeah, okay, let me just repeat that question because it's not picked up on the live stream. I think in a nutshell, how much of the data that you pick up is to do with confidence, is that right? Yeah. There was a team confidence that he hadn't seen before. So there we are, confidence, how much of a part does that play? I think it's one of many factors that, that we look into. Like we, we, you've got the kind of the, the technical data um, and the technical kind of skills that individuals have. You have their tactical element. Then there's kind of the psychological element, the kind of the softer stuff, as it's called. And that's something that I, I think we would all agree. I know Scott and I um, are really big on it. Arguably, it's it's the most important. That that that's just more about an individual's personality. Um, than, than it does. Now, that's the stuff that's harder to get, and, and data will only take you so far. Um, so that is, that's kind of your, your background checks, your, your due diligence, your character references, finding links to these people in the game, who have they worked with, who have they played with, who did they work under, digging, trawling through their social media, trying to find out as much about that person as you can. Um, and then you try and ensure that you don't bring a bad character into the group. And then I think when you've got good characters and good attitudes and behaviours to work with, then Scott's got a product and a group of people that he can put, give confidence to. No, I totally agree. I think as well, like you said, the Doncaster game the week before. Definitely, and I think, and I think performances. Um, if the performances are good, the players feel it, and they feel confident going into the next game. Of course, results is a big thing. You know, it, it makes the players buy into what we're doing on the training ground more. If the, if the wins are coming um, thick and fast, and of course, at the start of the season that wasn't happening, we were drawing a lot of games. Um, obviously, fans were frustrated. We were frustrated, and then the players. Um, do they buy into what you're doing yet? Because we, we've picked good individuals to, to make that team um, and they stick to it. Then all of a sudden we start winning games and they buy into more and it snowballs and all of a sudden you've got a real confident team out there. So, yeah, definitely. Well, Ben Gladwin, let's talk about Ben Gladwin, shall we? I mean, those of us who are at Grimsby on Saturday, I, I know this is a ridiculous comparison in many ways, but I describe this passing on the way back on the bus as hodl-esque. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is, yeah. He, for me, he's been our best player all season. I, I, for me, he's come back, I think, five kilo, is it, Adam? Is it five? Five kilo lighter than he was last season. Um, I've got a really good relationship with Ben as well, which I think kind of helps. Not that he, he didn't have with Ben, that's not what I'm saying, but um, certainly we, we have a good relationship. He understands... He's doing his UEFA B licence coaching badge at the moment as well. So he understands coaching and he understands kind of how we want to play. And it, it's almost like having a, a coach on the pitch for me. Because um, even though we, how we play is very simple, really, there is certain elements of movement, rotation, distances, spaces. And Ben really gets it. He really understands it. And... Uh, for me, he's been, he's been our best player, like I say. His distances, look at the data on his distance covered um, in a game, it's better than anybody. Um, our oldest player, so 
um, that said, he, he's really got the bit between his teeth this season. Like Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't an outrageous comparison. Anyway, uh, Ellis, the only more. Yeah. Um, one in from Lauren. Following on from the completion of the county ground purchase, where do we stand with stadium development and plans to improve the ground? Rob, Claire, may want to say that? <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. So in, in terms of um, stadium development, obviously, as Glenn said, we're going to get the exchange and completion done. Um, we'll be looking in the spring about um, putting plans together, looking at developing the stadium. Um, plans are, you know, very much around um, tidying up the Stratton Bank. Um, obviously, you've got the plans in the Don Rogers and you've got the, the, the second infrastructure in there to, to put hospitality in that area. Uh, looking at a new town end and um, a potential hotel or convention centre there, so we've got to we've got to um, do our research. Um, we've got to make sure those options remain viable, um, but it's something to sort of move on once we've got that ground purchase done. Uh, the, the aim here is to, as I said before, continue to build solid foundations, build a sustainable football club. You've got to look to make sure that we're not just maximising, if you like, the the revenue that we can on a match day, but outside of a match day. So we've got to build facilities that people will use in the town of Swindon and businesses will use, you know, for the 330-odd days a year outside of a match day, because that's how you build a strong, sustainable football club. So I said to you before, some of us are cracking on a bit, so if you could make a move on, that'd be really good. Any more, Ellis? Yes. Um, are we likely to be signing Blake Tracy? Shortly. Oh, very good one. Yeah, Blake Tracy, who's done all right, I think. Who wants to take that? He has done all right, hasn't he? He's, uh, no, he's, he's, he's a great lad. Another good character to have around. Um, it's a bit of a funny one because we didn't envisage having three left-backs at the club, but kind of injuries forced us into that and, and we had to make a decision. Um, Les Caffrey, who's our head of recruitment, is very, very good and go and ask him for a left-back and he'll have 10 ready to go and we've got a good one there. Um, he is on it's a season-long loan I believe Fraser is out of contract at the end of the season with Burton anyway. That's one for us to discuss further down the line. So um, if he carries on performing the way he is, there's probably every chance we'd want to, we'd look to try and bring him to the club permanently. But there's, there's certainly no hurry for that one. The player's got to want to come as well, isn't he? If we got to that point, he's enjoying his football. He was, he was very keen to come to us to join us and, and get out of Burton and just play games. And he's doing that. He's enjoying his football. The lads love him. So everything's looking good. Who knows how that looks by the time we get to April or May? Yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. He's um, really low maintenance, manager's dream. Doesn't He's like almost like a robot. You tell him what to do, he'll just go out and do it and does it brilliantly. Um, so, yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I think he's, a, I think he's been probably our most consistent player. Um, attacks the ball well on corners. You know, he'll, he'll get his head on. He's aggressive. You saw him crashing some brilliant tackles on Saturday at Grimsby, uh, the dugout uh, side of the pitch. Um, but yeah, take him in a heartbeat. Great player. Um, sort of following on from that, um, will Wicklin be getting a new contract after the start to the season? He started the season brilliantly, hasn't he? Um, like I said, probably slightly ahead of where we thought he was going to be. He's got huge potential. Uh, he, he, is, he personifies what 
myself and Scott and Clem and Rob believe a Swindon Town footballer should be like. I'm sure he personifies what all of you lot think a Swindon Town footballer should be like. Then, then yeah, then, well, there might be a there might be a new deal soon. We've just got to weigh it up and have a look at the finances and maybe I'll have a chat with Clem again before he heads back to Australia. And um, so yeah, just we'll, we'll see what happens. Watch his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, literally, he's had a fantastic start, hasn't he? You know, he's been unbelievable. But um, he, he just, he just works so hard, doesn't he? You know, he, he never stops running. His data's is through the roof, and he can finish. You know, he's got goals in him, and he'll continue that. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be there'll be something um, there'll be something sorted out soon. He's been uh, he's been outstanding for us. Tracy, Jay McEverly, uh, is it the same piece person? Those of us who are lying enough to remember, we might remember it is the same person. Any more from the floor? Yes, Mitch. So if if I might paraphrase it, if you have you had a disagreement about possible signings data, etc. Gut feeling versus data. Is it a fight, 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 or do you get on? I think from my point of view, I've got an experience, what I call a coach's eye, and I think you know nothing beats that. Um, obviously, the data can back stuff up, and no is the answer to your question. We've we've not disagreed on on anything really, you know. Um, but there has been kind of times when I've looked at expected goals is a big. I'm going away from probably recruitment a little bit, but expected goals is a big kind of angle for me, you know. Um, I don't know if you, you understand what I mean by XG. So expected goals. Um, there was a, a moment where we, we could have scored, or, uh, Matty Bowdry could have scored uh, from an header um, against Harrogate. Open goal, pretty much. Header, he headed it wide and it went down as a, a very low expected goal. And because he didn't get it on target, it, it was an open goal. So there's certain things that I'm not, I'm not really for uh, in terms of the data, little things like that. But there's certain, in terms of recruitment, there's so much that you need to look, look into and read um, for me to understand before I run my eye over the player. Then I think, like I say, the coach's eye, you can't beat that. Um, but no, we've never, we've never had a kind of moment where we've disagreed, have we? I don't think we have. <laughs> if we have, I can't remember it. No, look, we haven't. I think it's a good question. And um, that doesn't mean to say at some point... You know, you, you're going to get friction in because it's something that we believe strongly in, but we haven't had any of those moments. I think the reason why we haven't had any of those moments is it comes down to having a really strong, clear philosophy on how we want the football club to play, which then means you have a very clear recruitment strategy. So we will, we might put, we might look, for example, there definitely would have been 
left back that have come up really strong on the data that have got in, gone into the group and Scott's looked at him and gone, I don't like this and I don't like that. Fine, we move on to the next one. But we know what a Swindon Town left back looks like or a centre midfielder. So, so I think if your recruitment strategy is really strong, we know what we're looking for. We're in complete agreement what we're looking for. Then it just comes down to of the ones that we find in that position, which are the ones that we think are the best. So what what you're never going to get at this football club is you're not going to have one person saying we want a 22-year-old centre-forward who's really quick and someone else saying oh, we want a 34-year-old lump who can head it, you know, because that isn't how the football club is structured and that isn't what our philosophy is like. And that ultimately is why we haven't had any disagreements on, on recruitment. Okay, any more from Mr. Tom Broadbent Lounge? Yes. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on the fans this season? Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, listen, I understand frustrations. I'm a fan myself, you know, um, and I understand it. Um, listen, the first game doesn't count because it was actually in July. So we'll put that down as a pre-season. Um, so we had a lot of recruitment, obviously, a lot of young players coming in. So in effect, it's a new team, right? And it will take time, you know, and, and I think we're starting to see um, the fruits of the work that we're putting in now. And listen, there's going to be dips along the way for sure. I, I understand, uh, I really do understand frustrations. And um, the pleasing thing for me on, on Saturday was the players really put their bodies on the line to get that result. And and, and and rightly so as well, because you fans travel a long way to go and watch that game and pay your money. And it's pleasing as, as supporters to see the players putting that effort in. Um, and that's the biggest thing for me. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be gutted if we ever come away from a game and I think the players didn't put it in, because that, that's not right. You know, and, and I don't think... In fact, I'm pretty sure you'll never see that with me as, as the head coach here because, you know, I, I, I will demand that they work and they, they do put their bodies on the line. And I do, I do understand frustrations. I do get it. Um, but listen, I'm 100% I'm with you guys. You know, I'm, I'm swindling through and through and um, I want to win just as much as you do, you know. So, I, you know, I do get it. Sort of following on from that as well, have you heard your new song? I've been, I've been singing it all weekend. <laughs> it's great. I, I, I can tell you that I did a bit of a southwest coast pass on Monday. There's some very difficult steps to get up. I was singing it all the way up, so it got me through some difficult moments. Anybody from the floor? Yeah, oh gosh, wow. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, sir. Are Wakelin and Tracy uh, attracting attention from bigger clubs? Now, how does this work? Because obviously Blake Tracy's on loan. Sorry? Oh, Clayton. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Tom Clayton. Um, people like that, are they attracting interest? <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I believe there's a little bit of interest. I, I think naturally when young footballers... Look, clubs are aware of these footballers before they sign for Swindon Town. So, um, yeah, there is in, interest, probably the wrong word. Scouts come and watch them. Scouts come and watch our players. I think we're a club, because of the way that we play and, and have played uh, historically, 
we naturally appeal to certain clubs. You know, certain clubs will, will come and look at Swindon Town players because they know they're good technicians. They know they're very comfortable in possession. So um, that you, we do get scouts come and watch. Wakeling and Tom Clayton would be the two obvious ones at the moment. I expect there's to be plenty more scouts coming to watch our players this season. I think that's something that we're just going to have to accept. And, and, and ultimately, when scouts stop coming to watch our players, then we really want to be worried. So, right, here's one for Scott. Um, and this is from uh, the floor. Can you explain why there's four coaches in the area directing instructions to the team on the pitch? And, oh, round of applause. I don't know. None of them know what they're talking about. <laughs> no, to be, to be honest with you, so Jamie Day, um, my, my assistant, who's the smaller chap with the longer hair, yeah, yeah, Ronan Darcy's dad. He, <laughs> he's, um, he's very calm, um, doesn't say a great deal, sits and really studies what the opposition shape is. So, 3 1 4 3 3, whatever it might be. And he'll come up to me five minutes and he'll explain what he thinks they're doing and where they might be spaces. Of course, we've worked on the opposition leading up to the game, so we may have done something different, which a lot of teams have set up differently to us because of the way we play. Um, so, you know, we may we may analyse a team leading into a Saturday game, but then when we turn up on Saturday, they've changed completely different shape because of the way we play. Um, so we've got to be ready for that. So Jamie kind of analyses that very early on in the game and, and, and looks for spaces. Uh, Gav Gunning, uh, my second assistant manager, um, who's um, very, very aggressive, very boisterous, but kind of in a in a smart way, um, where he he will look after the back end of the uh, of the team, whether it's a back three or back four, and the deep midfield players, and he'll make sure our de our defensive line is always up where it should be. So for argument's sake, when the ball goes 20 yards that way, I want my line up. I want us to defend high up the pitch and be aggressive. And he'll kind of monitor that um, quite loudly, <laughs> which I think needs to be loud. I think it needs to be that way. And then you've built the, the, the goalkeeper coach who basically looks after all their pieces. So... Um, he'll sit down and say nothing until all of a sudden there's a corner and you'll see him come to life. Um, apart from that, he just sits there and watches the game and then he'll come to life again when there's a free kick. And then, obviously, myself, I'm at the front and, and, and kind of watching all of it. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really the structure of how we work. There we are. Yeah, another round of applause. Why not? Yeah. Uh, right, we'll take one more before we go into the added time of seven minutes and 54 seconds. Alice, you got one more? Yeah. Uh, one in from Claire. Where are we with the goalkeeper situation and the backup keeper? And what a fine soul is. Um, hopefully we must, hopefully we keep him beyond January and he isn't recalled. He's listening. Soul is listening. Soul's listening. Hi, Soul. <laughs> uh, Soul's on loan. For the season, um, there is a recall clause in there. Every club has it, but I, I hope, and um, I'm not a religious man. Uh, yeah, I hope and pray that uh, no, Sol doesn't get recalled. So that's the situation with Sol. With regards the number two goalkeeper, this is this is a 
question I've been asked quite a few times by quite a few different people. We want to, um, we, there's a, a financial kind of, it can become a financial burden where you have a number two keeper that you pay quite a bit of money for that sits on your bench that you're not actually that confident in. And we're, we're very clear and specific on the way we play. So that means we need to have a certain, certain type of keeper that ideally is very good with their feet. The reality is we we couldn't really find the exact one that we wanted to play the way that we did, or play the way that we do, rather. So um, what we didn't want to do was pay someone a chunk of money to sit on the bench who probably wasn't going to be right for exactly what we wanted. So that's kind of where we are. That doesn't mean to say that person isn't out there, um, but it's just trying to find one that then also fits in the budget. OK, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached half-time, so if you want to take a break and refresh your glasses etc but for the moment please would you put your hands together for Clem Morfuni, Scott Lindsay, Sandra de Michele and Rob Angus. Bear with us guys, set a bit of a refreshment break, uh, stick around we'll be back soon, speak soon. So, guys, we're going to have a bit of a uh, half-time chat. We decided we just sat in silence, not saying anything, and it felt a bit awkward. So, uh, Ellis, mate, you've been our spokesperson. Yeah. How are you finding it? Enjoying yourself? Yeah, it's all right. Not too bad. Um, getting involved with it all. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they seem, they seem quite um, talkative, yeah. quite open, yeah. um, really open to questions. We've not been told tonight that we can't <laughs> ask anything. No. Um, obviously, we have seen a few questions come in that probably won't be asking just because of maybe legal issues or, or, yeah. or specifics we won't, we won't get into. So I don't think we're ignoring you because we don't want to read your question out. It's just because we've got still, some things still, we can't still say. Still send any questions in that you, that, that you get. I'll try, I'll try to ask them when I get an opportunity. 
Yeah, I think Grant put the question. Yeah, he's firing through. Yeah, firing and through. Um, to be fair, we've covered quite a few topics, haven't we? Yeah, well, sustainability in terms of cost of living, um, the ground itself, the ground purchase. Yeah, so I mean, the ground purchase for anyone didn't hear. Uh, the deposit for the club, for the for the club buying the ground, will go in on January the thirty first. So that's essentially pretty much all done and dusted. Um, once the club has purchased the ground, it'll be then looking at redevelopments, uh, new town end, hotel going in. Obviously, we've got the John Trollope uh, statues. We've got the um, Don Rogers statue as well going Hospitality. up. Hospitality. Hospitality, yeah. Um, hello, Pete. Do we come on to the Stone Broadband Lounge? <laughs> you can't play our football tournaments and then not come on our shows. That's not... Uh, He's shying away. He's shying away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what's been your main takeaway from that first half, Ellis? Um, just how lovely they all are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Scott, Scott Lindsay's a likeable bloke, isn't he? Yeah, you come in with a massive smile on his face. Um, yeah, he, he loves it. It's Martin with his big sausage roll in, in hand. It's not the first time you said that to me, Joe. Uh, let's keep it PG. It's not quite <laughs> nine o'clock just yet. Um, enjoyed that. You're a bit late, but you... Apologies for being late. Uh, no, I was really... Uh, Scott answered the question before he thought of the fans. It was very handled it well, honest. didn't it? Yeah, he was very honest. I thought um, speaks really well. And the more I hear him speak, the more I warm to him. As like not just as a manager, but as a human being, he just seems like such a nice bloke. Mate, the biggest thing for Scott Lindsay to me, he clearly loves the football club. Yeah. He believes Swindon Town. Yeah. Um, I was going to say he believes Red, but we all do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He clearly loves being here, and there's nothing more than he wants to do than to succeed. Yeah, exactly. With, that. A, with a Swindon Town Club badge on his chest. Because he's so likeable as a human being, it makes you want him to succeed even more. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm really happy that things have started to turn around and everyone's starting to really want to win. I mean, you weren't here, but Ellis mentioned when he came in, they introduced them all separately. Um, and you guys on the show, you'd have heard the, the clap for Scott Lindsay. Really? His, his face, he was yeah. beaming. Oh, amazing. He, he, looked yeah, like he, a, he looked like a kid in the toy shop, bless <laughs> him. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the other guys as well. I think Rob spoke really well um, yeah. in terms of the ground purchase and um, the general sort of the, the background bits that we don't really get to see on a day to day basis. Uh, Clem, so, Clem's just looked happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> and Sandro's being as open as he can be. Obviously, there's certain things that you can't talk about. Um, but, you know, everything that's being asked, they're sort of trying to answer as best as they can. I think the main thing with Sandro is his face when squirming about loan questions. <laughs> um, Blake Tracy and Sol Brim being the two that we both want. Well, say both of us here, all of us here. Everyone with a Swindon Town persuasion would sort of, you know, run through brick walls to have Sol and, and Fraser stay around here. Sol's listening, so Sol, um, get a fancy agent, mate, and just... <laughs> tell him what you want. Tell him what you need. Um, what else? What else have we spoke about? Um, just, try, just trying to re recall what I was talking about. Um, I mean, we've been round in, in sort of circles. We talked. Yeah. There was a question about um, the confidence of the boys and whether or not Sandro takes in the confidence of a footballer when signing him. I don't think you can take that into account, can you? I mean, confidence breeds from winning games. Yeah, yeah. If you're a footballer, you're winning games, you're really getting confident, aren't you? So, yeah. um, I guess the only thing is to look at how they react to when they're losing. If they're a goal or two down, do, they, do their heads just drop and do they care? Yeah. Or do they really still have it in their mind, like, no, we can get this back? And you have that determination to try and get something out of the game still. So I guess they can measure it on that, but you're right, it does. confidence does happen from winning games, getting good results. I think the character that the, um, the, the gentleman in the crowd 
when he asked the question, he was speaking about the character that the boy showed at Grimsby. Obviously, going down to 10 men, um, sort of asses against the wall, just, you know, battering ram situation. We handled it really well. Um, and I think that's something that we've seen over the last few weeks. We mentioned before the game, to me, Alice, about yeah. the Sutton game, with the, um, with the boys doing the, the huddle on the pitch yeah. after the game. Yeah. It, it clearly is a, a, a great togetherness within the, the squad. Um, just, just the whole squad of, as a whole, just like they all just look like they want to win. And when they do win, they celebrate together. Um, yeah. And we we've, we've saw that after games. Uh, um, so, yeah. Uh, so Jason has just left a uh, tweet here for us to say, ask Clem and Rob if we can keep the 3pm kickoffs. No early kickoffs on a Saturday. Now, I think that, yeah, if that, you hadn't listened to the, if you missed the, the question earlier on the show. That was the first question, so you would have missed that one. Yeah, um, so yeah, that's what Rob and Sandro and Clem say. Essentially, they said they don't want the uh, earlier kickoffs and they want to keep the 3pm kickoffs. Um, and so regarding that, they, they can only go ahead uh, as of now, if both clubs agree to it, um, so if one uh, say Swindon don't agree to it, then uh, 3 p.m. kickoff will still go ahead. Yeah, I think they mentioned Mansfield, didn't they? Because Mansfield have um, come out publicly and said that they will be asking every league fixture to be played at 1 p.m. Um, Rob mentioned that if we were to agree to play at 1 p.m., he didn't rule it out, but if he mentioned if we agreed to play at 1 p.m., the logistical issue of getting the team to the ground would change. Um, so 3pm kickoff, you'd be looking at day travel, the boys getting to the county ground in the morning on a coach and getting to the ground on the day and coming back on the day. If it's a 1pm kickoff, you're probably looking at having to fork out for a hotel, travel up the day before and then back again. So it's added cost to the football club. Um, but yes, I, I think the panel sort of unanimously were against 1pm kickoffs. Scott and Clem especially were of the persuasion of 3pm Saturday is a a holy time for football fans. Yeah. Clem had a very blunt no uh, <laughs> to that. But the, the whole idea of a 1pm kickoff is is to save money uh, and costs sort of with the floodlights and whatnot. Um, but but as um, Rob was saying, the whole like logistical side of it, if you look at it, it probably ends up costing the club more as, as an away team. Uh, like Joe said, with uh, ha- having to stay over, um, and also with, with the players with their uh, day routines, um, they're getting up earlier. Their pre-match meal would be breakfast, and it, it in pasta at half past yeah, ten in the morning. It throws everything out, doesn't it? So um, it's not as easy as just moving it, moving it forward. Um, there's there's lots of issues around it as well. I think I remember a, de- a Wayne Rooney interview where Rooney said that he hated the Saturday or Sunday 12 o'clock kickoffs because as I mentioned earlier on you're cramming pasta at half past yeah. nine in the morning yeah. also with our winters they're so bleak and they're just always bucketing down with rain the floodlights are on anyway so I don't yeah, yeah. unless I'm missing something obvious I don't understand You've what a difference that will make kickoffs or 7.45 kickoffs yeah. on Tuesday as well which you can't like, change they're going to bring that to like the list, aren't you? 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon as well are they yeah. like it makes yeah. it just doesn't make a whole big yeah. deal of sense and, and, and Rob said as well with um, people not being able to make games that that loses out on on ticket revenue uh, as well, so that that's another issue adding to that as well. So and I think just as a collective, the whole room seems like they're against um, an earlier kickoff. Yeah, well, there was, a, there was an applause, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, after we got told categorically no that we don't like them. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of fans would be 
pleased to hear that. Actually, as I said, we've especially about the, the players travel, players uh, experience of the day. It's also harder for us to get here that early. Um, changes plan, especially with trains at the minute as well. Trains yeah. be awful. And more. Coming down from Carlisle for a PM kickoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Vic comes up from uh, Devon, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's got a, a fairly decent drive. I mean, I'm, myself, I drive an hour and a half, hour and forty. We've got um, our Lord and Saviour, Mr. Hammerhand, listening in, who I know drives miles and miles to get here every Saturday. You don't want to believe in a half past nine in the morning, ten o'clock in the morning for him. Um, so, yeah, so I think we'll all be pleased to hear that it's been delayed or it's been pushed away the 1 pm kickoff from ourselves. Um, just looking at our listeners list here, we've got a Mr. Saidu Khan listening. Saidu, we love you, but you uh, you did sign our flag wrong. So, <laughs> but other than that, we'll forgive you for that. The performances on the uh, pitch are the main thing. Um, um, what else is covered? Um, sort of Sandro talking about players um, and their contracts, uh, Wakelin and um, lone players such as uh, Bryn and uh, Bra- uh, Blake Tracy. Did um, you see Sandro's face when I asked about the replacement goalkeeper or the backup goalkeeper? Yeah, yeah. He had a massive eye roll. Yeah. And yeah. The question was asked. He was like, "Oh God, so." Get- Gassed it all the time. <laughs> I think something's happened recently as well, where maybe we've been close to someone and someone's dropped off. Or, yeah, because he, he didn't. His face was quite uh, quite yeah. funny. I, I think I think we can all safely say as well we're very happy with uh, Mr. Bryn, Mr. Soul Bryn in goal. Well, um, he's listening as well. We're some bootlicking here. <laughs> Is anyone going to sing the song? Not me. Go on then. I'm a soul man. That's the Hannahs. That is. Yeah. Um, can we also please keep having all the questions coming in? Um, please send them all in now. We've, we've had one or two more come in. If we can get some more, we can start to screenshot them, get them in our chat ready for as soon as when they come back out. Uh, that one from SM1 Insider will just be available to listen back to afterwards. It will be. Um, it's a recorded space. So jump on our Twitter page after the show's ended. It should be there for you very quickly. Um, it'll stick around for a while as well. I think it's a month that they stay around for. Or 30, yeah, thirty days. So yeah, listen back at your um, your own leisure. Also, if any if any questions don't get asked, it, it it will probably be they've already been asked earlier on, or we can't ask them. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get some um, we'll get some minutes written up as well from the from the show and post on our socials. Check out our Instagram story. Um, I'll pop some bits in there for you guys afterwards as well. Uh, any more questions, Martin? Not so much yet. We just need a few more to come in. Just when Vic comes over to us, I've screenshotted one to ask, um, but I'm not going to reveal what question that you just yet. Okay. Won't spoil the surprise. That's that's for Alice. <laughs> um, reminder with the questions as well. Obviously, we're getting loads of questions. We've had loads of questions before as well. Um, we have got a Dan Designs competition on at the moment. So anyone that's asked the question, whether it's asked to the panel or not, uh, we'll get them into a we'll get them into a draw uh, this evening for a Super Scott Lindsay print and a Clenmore Fooney print as well, courtesy of our sponsor, Dan Designs. Um, the winners will be announced this evening and I'll get into contact with you guys for your addresses, your obviously your details, we'll send it out to you. Fire the questions in. Yeah, we've got a requested here, actually. Should we add Dave on? Let's see what Dave has got to say. Come on then, Dave. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Can you ask um, Vic Morgan if he can sort of just summarise some of the questions because we can't always hear or can't hear ninety percent of them on the on the chat. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I've um, I've had a few texts about that, Dave. So I'm trying to get Vic to sort of paraphrase the questions afterwards. Um, obviously, it's difficult if I if we get Ellis wandering around the Legends Lounge with the microphone. He runs under speakers, and it's when you get the nasty feedback. Um, so yeah, I'll have a chat with Vic um, before we start the second half, and I'll get him to uh, paraphrase, paraphrase or sort of re-ask the question to the panel for you guys. Cheers, thanks. Okay, cheers, Dave. Is that all? Yeah, all good. Cheers. All good. Good, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Um, Ellis, back to you, mate. So just have one there about uh, Vic sort of rephrasing the questions and stuff, or um, repeating the questions because the listeners can't hear it. Hopefully, the latter part of that show, um, fingers crossed, is a bit better for for you guys. There was a a question early on that got a big laugh about uh, McCurdy and sort of undisclosed fees. Uh, that you probably missed. Um, yeah, but that was that question was basically uh, asking why are there undisclosed fees going about now, and how much did we get for Harry McCurdy? Um, to which the answer was um, it was undisclosed. Um, keep those questions coming in on Twitter. Um, let me see. Um, we spoke a little bit about the women's football, um, sort of regarding them partnering with the club now and sort of becoming sw- uh, Swindon and not not Swindon women's, um, and also uh, sort of playing at the ground. Um, Rob Rob said about um, they've got few games coming up at the county ground and they're looking at getting some games at Foundation Park as well which will be good um, so that uh, what else did we uh, one from Philip are the questions being vetted vetted in the room the answer is no like we are ones that come into us we are kind of betting them of what can and can't be asked um, anything legal obviously we can't just pull up and ask if there's a court case involved but when it comes to Vic asking the floor there is absolutely no betting. No one knows what's going to be said. They just hand the mic and they just start speaking. And yeah. Has requested to speak. Hannah's, he's requested. Let's get him in. Um. Hello, Hannah's. Hello, how are we? I'm good. How yeah, very well. I've got a question for you. Good. Um, it, obviously, I appreciate you won't be able to screen grab this, but can you ask the panel um, whether there would be a logical plan for them to run double headers with the women's team and the men's team to maximise on crowd access and people viewing the matches? Of course. Great right. question as well. well right, thank you very much. Well. <laughs> it's great to hear your voice again, Hannah. <laughs> missed that beautiful voice of yours, Hannah. Oh, you beautiful boys. My beautiful, beautiful <laughs> boys. <laughs> you enjoying the show, Hannah? Yes, very good. Very good. Um, yes. you know, all you need is a really, really sleazy Cockney host. Um, <laughs> and, and if you could, if you could maybe like slot, you know, slot, slot a bit of Cockney into what you're saying, I'm, I think it's yeah. the complete package. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. <laughs> Have a good night. Yeah, and you. Thank Bye, you. That was Hannah's, everyone. Um, where were we? Um, 
we had a question asking about um, the panel in uh, what they think they succeeded in their job and what, what they need improving in. Um, Mr. Scott Lindsay said he, um, he needs to improve on his timekeeping um, skills because he said he's um, only had one day off. He's had one day off since he took the job, and that was his daughter's birthday. Um, so the man is working very hard, as you can tell. And um, it's all starting to pay off now. Um, um, what else have we got? Um, you got any more questions, Im? Um, we are getting a few more in. Hello. But we just... We'll wait for them to come back and we'll ask them because yeah. there's some questions that we can't ask ourselves. There yeah. are some really good questions coming in. Yeah. Keep them coming in. Um, keep the questions coming in, guys, on Twitter. Tweet them in. Uh, DM them to us. Um, what else have we... So, shouldn't be too long and... The Q&A will start up again. Let's check the questions in on Twitter. So one in from Steve on Twitter. Can you ask, last year we had some really big characters and it seemed a big group of mates just playing football together. Is that seeing camaraderie, camaraderie growing this season and who's picking the choose in the changing room? That's a good question. Um, obviously, that's, I presume that's referencing Harry McCurdy, uh, big character. Um, um, yeah, we spoke to Scott about the fans as well and um, his views on on um, the the fans and and, and what he thinks. He and uh, I also asked about the his song which he said he's been singing um, the past couple of days I know he kind of made it sound like he was joking but I really want to believe he has been yeah I think he has been I want to picture him walking around his house just singing yeah, his in the shower driving into the rain and yeah blasting it out <laughs> um, getting a load of questions coming in now guys yeah, thank you for sending them in please keep them coming Apparently, I have not seen the tweet to confirm this, but apparently Saidu Khan has agreed to re-sign the flag. So, Saidu, if you're still listening and that is true, please confirm it. Even re request to speak and you can tell everyone listening in that you will replace your signature on that flag with the correct number. <laughs> Can't believe that. Um, Mr. Jake Wakelin is listening in. Um, I've, I've just been sent picture evidence. He has tweeted this. Yeah. Sadio Khan, I'll re-sign re the, the flag in on Twitter. So you've heard it here, he will be re-signing the flag. If you could please still come on and just explain why you signed it with your previous squad number, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, very busy here in the Legends Lounge, packed out. Um, some good questions being asked around the room. 
there's a very good question just coming in from Rachel, which I hope we get to ask. It's about when the World Cup's happening and everyone is going to be not going to Premier League games or Champions League games. I don't know, Champions League games. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to do more to encourage people to attend? Ladies and gentlemen, your five-minute warning. Your five-minute warning. Thank five you. minutes, guys. So hopefully we get to ask that question because that is a very good point. It seems like a really good chance to try and get newer fans in who wouldn't normally watch League Two football would yeah. come to Swindon to get away from their skybox. Yeah. Stop watching Premier League on TV. Yeah. And become watching live football. I think I think naturally as well you will see more people come in, like you said, with people not watching Premier League games, um, especially families. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Get get them busy. Um, yeah, five minutes until the Q and A starts up again, guys. Um, essentially half half eight. Got anything to say, Joe? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just really enjoying this. Um, yeah, it's really good. Everyone's in the room, everyone's in the beer. Um, it's really positive, everyone's enjoying themselves. Getting a lot of good feedback as well online, so hopefully drive you guys. I'm hoping the, the feedback from the speakers isn't too bad, so you can hear clearly. Um, as Dave Bentley came on the show um, about 10, 15 minutes ago, with the, the questions now, we're going to be handing around our microphone during the second half. So a member of the OSC was at Microsoft yeah. Ellis. Um, they'll carry it around, so you'll be able to hear in real time the the questions, and then also we'll get the microphone back for our questions. So yeah, yeah but it should be better listening in the second half. Yeah, um, Joe, you missed Hannah's coming on. Well, I missed Hannah's coming on. Yeah, he come oh. on for a little chat, um, asked the question. What was his question? Um, was this to do with Soul Man by a chance? No, it was no? not. It was to do with women's football. Okay, um, I've got it here written down. Let me let me get that up. Um, Will they be running double headers of the women's team after the men's game to maximise crowd size slash interest? And I think that's a very good point as well because I think that's probably one of the reasons why people don't go to watch it as okay, much. Maybe, gentlemen, if you could take your seats again, please. We're Thank back you on, guys. On women's football, obviously yes. we've got um, Helena Diaz Butcher and yes. Annie Coulson, the two the Tom Broad Bet Lounge official athletes. Yeah. Um, just boulders, really. Just a little plug. Yeah, just cheeky little uh, plug for them. <laughs> so if you can get down to the games of the county ground, please do, because I'm sure it'll be worth it. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to take okay, our seats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the town's chief executive, Rob Angus. <laughs> our technical director, Sandro Dumichele. <laughs> our head coach, Scott Lindsay. And our chairman and owner, Mr. Clem Morfuni. Right, I got loads. I, I tell you what, I got loads more questions given to me in the interval. So there we are. I hope you're all right till midnight. That's fine. Um, just a quickie, and this has been asked to me. Uh, somebody wants to design fabric, right? And they want to use the Swindon Town badge. So, who do they need to get permission? They're not going to sell it. They're just going to use it on the fabric, right? And this is a serious question. So, who do they get in touch with to get permission? Yeah, you just get in touch with me, uh, Mr. Roberts, from the townsc.co.uk, and then and we can have a look and, and sort that out. 
<laughs> don't hear that money. <laughs> uh, you know, just, you know, but seriously, how difficult is that to do, to use the badge, as it were? We've got copyright over the badge for obvious reasons, commercial reasons, as Glenn just mentioned. Um, but that we can we can look at that and uh, and review it, um, you know, on a case by case basis. Okay, lovely. Right, I'm just going to pick one off here because there's loads. Um, right, plans to upgrade the disabled facilities at 1879 Street Town End. Um, these are this is from Sean. This is, I mean, the you know, disabled facilities along every football club, and I'm not just talking about in the town, but. They're not very good. So what are the plans to upgrade the disabled facilities here? Well, we're looking at it um, uh, with, with the supporters club. So, so Chris and, and Hannah and others have, have come and we're looking at it. But we've, we've got to sort of recognise that we want to do the development. So you don't want to spend a load of money when you're then going to do the development and, and do that work anyway. Um, it's going to be a lot easier on the, on the Don Rogers side. When we look at the, the the work we do over there in terms of hospitality, because there's a lift shaft already in the infrastructure, it's quite difficult on this side. Just the age of the building hasn't been set up on that sort of basis. But it is something for something we're looking at. But we've got to balance it up with the cost of it and how long it will be before we develop various parts of the stadium. But we will do whatever we can, and I think we we have made some improvements. Caroline Lane, uh, who's our disabled supports officer, I think does a does a great job reaching out to the disabled supporters club and, and broader disabled supporters to try and make the match day as much as possible. Um, but the, you know, the infrastructure of the club doesn't make it easy in certain parts. Are there regulations? You know, are, do the Football League set down regulations that you have to come up with? How, how does that work? Yeah, there, there, are, there are some regulations. There, I don't think they're, they're overly onerous. And obviously there's regulations in use of business, but it depends often on the age of the structure. Um, you know, and when it's built. So if you were building, you know, a stand now, then obviously the regulations are much higher than the ones that were built, obviously, like this one, what, over 50 years ago now. Um, so that's that's what you've got, you, you've got to sort of um, balance through. But the, there are some regulations that we that we need to comply with, which, you know, we, we do, uh, and we'll do what we can, but, but you know, there are, there are, there are limits. Um, and we've got to balance, as I say, the cost against... You know the plans to develop. Um, you know because you don't want to do something, and then you'll have to rip it down and, and replace it with a development. Okay, fair enough. Uh, just a, a reminder that this is being broadcast by Tom Broadband. But the best question they think come in from there, uh, you will get a couple of prints signed uh, by Dan Designs, who's been one of the great introductions to town over the last season. So, uh, if you want to win one of those, those are the questions that they'll be looking at. Uh, right, this is regarding Solbrain, and I, and I, before we go on with this, several of the players are listening tonight, uh, so, do you want to give the players a round of applause? Come on! <laughs> Solbrain, this is uh, for you, Sandro, awesome signing. What is the contingency plan if he gets injured? Does Brand come in, or... Are you consistently looking for goalies for an emergency deal? What is the likelihood of signing him? I guess the better he plays, does that diminish? Yeah, look, I think it's um, I think it's a, a big ask for Solbrin to be a, a permanent Swindon Town player in, in reality. I, 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 there's nothing 
Scott and myself would love more than than that. But the reality is, he's a very good, very talented young goalkeeper. Um, he went out on loan last season near the South Shrewsbury, and, and now League Two is is the next stage of his um, career. Chances are, the reality is, he was going to go to League One club, but we've um, you know we've relationships with clubs, and we we, we we you know we we managed to sort of lean on them a little bit, I suppose. Um, but who, who knows? Who, who knows how it will play out? But I think it's probably. So I was destined for an incredibly good career at, at, at probably the highest level, in all honesty, um, if he carries on in the way he's going at the moment. So um, if he gets injured, yeah, then we go into the emergency loans market. I, I would I would expect, yeah, that that probably be the, the port call. That was kind of the educated decision that we made at the time as opposed to going and getting that number two that we felt probably wouldn't be a good use of finances. Scott, there was a lovely moment on Saturday when you brought him over to the away fans. Um, you know, everybody was there. And again, I'll say it's very frustrating because we didn't know what the heck was going on. It was just madness at the other end. But <laughs> it was like ping pong. You know, you're obviously very proud of his performance. You saw more than we did, quite frankly. Um, what made it so good? Just uh, obviously the pressure we were put under towards the end of the game and he, he just did his job, you know, and he did it brilliantly. You know, it was some of them, a couple of the saves were world class. You know, they really was. And I know we got one cleared off the line as well. Uh, Romeo Hutton cleared one off the line as well. So um, it was uh, it was backs against the wall and he, he, he had a calm head and did his job properly, you know, and um, he's been outstanding, you know, and he, he come under a bit of criticism early on in the season um, in the first home game, um, which we couldn't understand really, you know, with these young lads are trying to make their way in the game and he come under a bit of criticism and he, he I don't know um, if you remember the game, but he was he was man of the match that game as well and um, rightly so, he, he, he's gone on and done brilliant for us and like Sandro just said, he's going to have a massive, massive future um, at the high end uh, of, the, of the game for sure. Right, this is from Tom. In five years' time, what does success look like behind the scenes off the pitch? For example, staffing structure, stadium, season ticket sales, revenue, commercial offerings. I guess the question, Clem, is where do you see the club in five years? Where do I see the club in five years? Um... <laughs> uh, look, obviously, we want to buy the ground. We want to develop all the, the stadium. Uh, have a training pitch that is ours, um, and obviously go up in the leagues. Obviously, um, obviously, I want to go to the Premier League. That's my ultimate goal. But yeah, but if we, if we don't build the foundations, probably we're never going to get there. So we need to make sure that our foundations are right and our infrastructure is right. And if we can't build a sustainable club without the right foundations. That's my goal. So then, Rob, let's ask you about debt then. Where are we at with debt, things you have to pay off, that kind of thing? What can you tell us? Well, we're in a much stronger position than we were, you know, 14 months ago. Uh, a big thanks, obviously, to Clem, but all of you guys as well, of all the support with season tickets, going on match days, buying shirts and stuff like that. We're now in a position where the historic debt stands to around about um, one million. And you've got to remember that the, the half a million or so of that, probably a bit more, is to the EFL on an interest-free uh, loan as well. Um, and then you've got a contested amount 
uh, included in that with uh, with former caterers, where obviously we're arguing the amount that's due. So we're in a really much stronger position, you know, than 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 we were 14 months ago, where the club obviously was, you know, uh, not far from I think going out of business. So. And as I say, I mean, it will just get stronger and better from here, I think, you know, with your support, you know, coming through with uh, obviously uh, Glenn's support and injection and us trying to run on a sustainable basis. You know, every every pound that you spend here, whether that's in the kiosk, whether that's buying shirts, match days, that comes back into the club and gets reinvested back in. Um, you know, and, and keep up my job and, and Greg Norman, our finance director over there, will give a wave, is to make sure that, you know, that the, the finances are, are strong and as Clem says, we're building those strong foundations for the future. How concerned are you? We, we touched on uh, the cost of living, etc. How concerned are you about attendances this season? Because, you know, times is hard and going to get harder. How concerned are you and, and getting people through the gate when, you know, when things start to really bite? Yeah, look, it, it is concerning and, and you know, we recognise that. And obviously, you know, the rising energy costs and etc. Uh, and inflation hits the club as well, um, so our bills go up at, at you know at the same sort of rate. So hopefully people you know will will look forward to their game of football, still comes in their numbers that we have done and, and support the club. But it you know I think it's a concern for all of us. We're, we're trying to make sure that we, as I say, manage the the, the cost base as best we can. Uh, look for ways that we can you know drive up by attracting new partners, sponsors, uh, and I'm sure. You know that you guys have a great time when you come down to football, but we hope the crowds stay up because I know the people of Swindon and surrounding areas love their football. They love their football club, and you know it's coming here and, and meeting friends that you, you may not see outside of the the game for the couple of times a month you've got a home game. So hopefully they stay, but you know it's it's, it's something that we need to be aware of and uh, and concerned about. Okay, I think Anna, you had your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to get back to the previous question that um, you answered around where do you see, where do you see us as a club in five years' time? So, in in the respect of infrastructure, if you if you lay aside the ground purchase and so on, what is missing from the infrastructure today that needs to be in place for that growth upwards to happen? Oh, I think um, obviously, the purchase of the ground is so important for us, and we need to make revenue off the pitch so we can put back into the pitch. So, the more money we make off the pitch, we can put more into the infrastructure that we need. Obviously, we're going to bring more staff. If we get up in the leagues, we're going to get players, but obviously, the infrastructure which we're trying to talk about the property, the actual stadium, and and the infrastructure and the personnel that we've got. Any more from the floor? Tim, can we make our way? We're trying to get the microphones to you so that the Tom Broadbent Lounge people can pick up the question. Uh, how many season tickets have we now sold? Uh, 6,000 to Australia, I think, was the actual target. How many? So we're at 5,100. So if you haven't, haven't bought one, you, you've still got time to, to, and you might get a lucky trip to Australia uh, with Clem um, and with Dee as well, with the background there. Um, and we're going to keep that competition open because in the, uh, the next month or so, we'll, we'll, we'll come out with half-season tickets and match-day bundle options and stuff like that, as we've done before, which hopefully be good Christmas presents for people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll look at that, Pete. <laughs> 
right. Sorry, yes. Um, where are we with the statues, uh, Don Rogers, John Trollope? It's something we've discussed at the um, the advisory board. It's something obviously the supporters trust are, are running with. Um, I think they've um, they've they've got some designs on on, on Don uh, as being the first one. I think they're waiting for the next um, little version, if you like, the the test version um, before sort of working that through. But it's progressing well. Uh, we'll get another update in the next advisory board meeting, which is next week. Okay. Uh, this is, I, I've got a name on this, but due to the FA charge still hanging over the club, will it be dealt with this season? And if we get a bad result with points deduction, have you made any preparation for this? Clem, do you want to take this? We won't get any points deduction, that's for sure. Uh, we'll probably get a fine which we're trying to sort out. Um, we'll probably get, I think, adjourned till after Christmas. Okay. Short sweet. Right. Uh, anybody else got any more? Uh, yeah, I guess my question's for Scott. Um, how much is the change in substitutions using five or five available? How much like disruption or advantage do you think that um, has given you or headache has it given you? I think we can certainly use it as a as a positive more than a negative. You know, we can we can make changes. Obviously, we have to do it in three moments. So five go on in three moments, but we have to look at that as a as a way of getting more energy on the pitch more than anything tactically as well. Obviously, um, but certainly the more energy, you know, almost like make five changes and and really finish the game strongly is is kind of the way forward. Um, but I, I feel as if at the moment with um, how the game's panned out, I feel as if I haven't had to do that. Um, but it certainly gives us uh, an option to do that in, in order for us to get more energy on the pitch late, especially later on in the games. But yeah, I, I see it as a real positive. I don't think it destructs us at all. I don't, I, you know, I think it's a positive. I got another one uh, for you here. Uh, last season, we lost too many at home. Here we are in October. Two wins, two draws. What's changed about the home form? I think it's hard to measure that, uh, if I'm honest with you, because we're too, we're different. You know, we're a different team now. Um, the way we train is slightly different. The way we pre prepare for the game is slightly different. Um, you know, I, I know there was a, a period of time when we had the players in at 11 o'clock uh, for a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday for pre-match and meetings um, and come three o'clock, you know, you can imagine what the players were like, you know. Um, so I, I've not gone down that road this, this season. I've felt that I can trust the players to eat the right foods at home um, and, and trusting them to do that. And I, and I, I know they will. Um, and they come in later Um Quarter past one is the meet time for them to come in for a three o'clock kickoff, and I feel as if we're the structure is really simple. They come in, we have a meeting in the dressing rooms um, where we go through um, elements of the opposition we're going to play against and certain things that we've worked on, kind of reinforcing what we've worked on, and it's really simple. and And maybe that's got something to do with it. The fact that we've not kind of gone overboard and, and brought him in, uh, you know, hours and hours and hours before the game. Maybe that, I don't know. Um, I think it's a diff difficult one to measure. Um, but I feel as if players like 
simple structures as opposed to kind of long, complicated ones. It's lovely to see your home wins, no doubt about that. Um, this is a very simple one, Rob. Uh, can we please have the XTC music back? Um, uh, as opposed to Blood All Over, which is the Crystal Palace song, Sun's own XTC. Where's, where's the media team? Uh, can I say? There they are, they're hiding. Dave was sort out. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Marvellous. Uh, who likes XTC in here? There you go. Fair enough. Uh, Sandro, this is uh, for you. Can you explain how the scouting network works, especially non-league? Saidu Khan, another find. Obviously, you know, players in non-league, there's another question here about uh, a player, if I can find it. Um, not, uh, Macaulay Longstaff, Notts County, 14 goals already. Uh, how, how does it work, the scouting network? I'd love us to have a network. Um, it's, it's a slightly streamed down version of that. Um, again, look, that's why being able to use data is so important, especially for a couple of our size, because we don't have a huge army of scouts and other clubs I've worked at, you know, have a lot of scouts. So um, predominantly we, you know, the numbers filter it down. Then we watch a lot of video of players. We'd all watch a hell of a lot of video of players. And, and that's, I think that's one of the, the big kind of developments in the game we looked over the, probably the last five to 10 years. Or so the fact that you can watch thousands of in multiple different scenarios and situations, then um, we can get eyes on. So, um, we, we've got we've got a couple of other people that scout for us. We can always get someone to a game, someone that we trust, who, whose opinion we really respect. Um, but we, yeah, we don't have quite a network of scouts just yet. <laughs> Why are you changing your name to Billy? I mean, Moneyball gets thrown at your lot. It's a great film, great story. Oakland Athletics, blah blah blah. Goes to the Boston Red Sox are interested in Billy Bean. I mean. Explain, are, is it based on Moneyball or not? Moneyball is the kind of the example that people understand, right? And, and the principle is kind of similar. But there would be there'd be so many other elements that we try and incorporate data into our, our way of thinking and our way of kind of trying to find the solutions of, of how we can, can improve and, and, and look to do better. You know, Scott touched on it earlier. We've had a 10-game review, you know, Scott, myself and the coaching staff and the analysts and that's something that is kind of is data driven, and then we use Scott's expertise and the team and we video footage to kind of bring it to life and make it tangible. And then that goes and gets played out on tweaks and changes that Scott and the staff will make on the training ground. That's you know that's one element. We have a, we've got a lot of kind of predictive models that we look at in terms of how we're tracking in relation to other sides and our percentage chance of finishing in every position in the league and expecting. Our total expected points for the season. There's lots of different elements and ways that we'll kind of look at things. So recruitment, I suppose, is the one that we always talk about, the one that has the most attention. But we try and use data in, in lots of other ways just to try and make us smarter. You know, we haven't even gone in and, and spoken about the work that uh, our medical team and our sports science team do. There's huge amounts of, of data that's used on that. And, you know, we'll look at running distances and high-speed running and sprints and accelerations and decelerations and look at the performances of that and then match that up with the, the, um, the performance data of how we perform as a team to try and look at correlations and patterns between that. You know, we look at players, things like players' 
body fat percentages and weight and then how that relates to their performance and can we find patterns between you know their peak physical condition and then their peak performance data so there's lots of different ways that we look and I think it's the way that most modern businesses go you know you don't have to be in football I think everyone in this room probably will work in companies that, that use data to try and be more efficient and you know and we're using it on the non-football side as well so um yeah Billy Beans and Moneyball is the obvious one, but used in lots of different ways. I'm glad I've retired if they're going to measure fat content. Um, <laughs> well, actually, here's a supplementary question. And, and it, what was the thinking with bringing rugby coaches? It seems to have worked. Obviously, Ricky, uh, he was a rugby player. This is the old Verratta. Hello. Uh, I mean, let's have a word about the medical uh, staff, etc. I mean, they do a fantastic job behind the scenes, don't they? Yeah, they're amazing. You know, um, the guys that have, that have come in to the club that have done that, Adam, Joe, Ricky, George, um, Ali, the physio. But yeah, they're, they're exceptional at what they do. I think the best way of demonstrating how good they are, uh, look at the minutes Johnny Williams played last season, look at the minutes Ben Gladwin played last season, look at the minutes they're playing this season. If you want to see a tangible and a realistic example of how good they are, you only need to, I think Johnny Williams played something like 25 minutes of his total career minutes last season at Swindon. So that speaks volumes, you know, and, and that sits in a lot of pres of our presentations when we sit down and sell the club to players. I think rugby is really important. I, I think actually rugby, um, both union and league, union in the case of, of Ricky and George is a sport that is, I think it's quite a long way ahead of football. I think it's quite advanced in its thought processes and its thinking. Um, we're still yet to see subs warming up on spin bikes aren't we but we've seen that in rugby there's loads of different examples and loads of different elements but I think also different ways of thinking are really important for how you drive improvements within a football club so having people that come from a different background have been really key to, to us being better and, and we've also got guys you know that, that come from um, kind of a boxing background a fighting background so kind of that MMA and, and the type world as well and again if you look at the camps that fighters go into there's an awful lot we can learn from that as well. So, um, and I think when you're a club at our level, we don't have the budget, but that doesn't mean we can't think better and smarter than a lot of clubs that are much higher up the, the football pyramid than ourselves. Yeah, we, we can kind of look at the, the data into, into that side of things as well, work really closely with Ricky and George, and we look at the data in terms of running distances and that, and little things like we know as a team, um, we want to be running over a, uh, 104,000 miles, uh, kilometres, sorry, um, miles, um, in order for us to not win a game. So we, we kind of really um, look at the detail about each, each player, what distance they're covering, uh, metres per minute, you know, um, live feed on the bench, metres per minute speak. So I'll turn to John and say, right, you know, how, how, how how's these metres per minute looking? And he's like, he's, he's down a bit. He's about 103 metres per minute, right? He needs to be up. So you put a message on, you need, you need to go up on your running stats. Um, you know, and it's important. So, yeah, I work really closely with George and Ricky and, and have a great relationship with them. And I listen to them a lot as well in terms of our loading through the week. So we'll have a real structure from Monday to Friday of how we work. And, and we'll look at... Day one, we want to be covering X amount of distance. Day two, X amount of distance. And by the end of the week, we should be prepared and ready to go into a, into a League Two match. Um, furthest furthest uh, this season, I think, 
is Ronan Darcy, I think. I think so. Sadiq so Khan, really high. <coughs> yeah, they cover they cover a lot of distance. They do cover a lot, um, but that's important. You know, like I say, there's usually um, there's usually a moment in terms of when we're successful and when we do that we lose or or draw. If we're that that marker, normally win. So it's important that we, we keep on at the players in terms of covering them distances. Really important. Should say congratulations to Ali and Keegan as well, actually, for their impending uh, expectation after the new year. So, you know, congratulations, Ali and Keegan. Uh, yeah, go on, round of applause. Go on. She might be a bit slower running on the pitch, but, uh, you know, that'll be fine. Uh, Tim, uh, I think we've got a question from the audience now. Yeah, I'd like to go back to this undisclosed. And you gave me a very good reason why the reasons were. I think the only club that protected was Hibernian. Um, I think all of us loved Harry McCurdy when he was here. He was a cult figure. Um, but we got him for nothing. Did we get the one best season out of him that he was going to produce? And I just think if the fans knew how much we got for him, that would have taken pressure off you all guys sat there around your neck. If the results hadn't gone the right way, um, there's a part of me, in the 51 years I've supported the club, last year's manager was the most divisive manager we've had with the support. I found that he split the support more or less straight down the middle. Um, there was times when it literally come to blows with the pro and the against Garner camp. I'm really pleased that we've got a manager who's shown some passion and actually is fan-friendly. Um, so I just think, think that it's, it's, it protected Burnian. I think if we'd have known what we got for Harry McCurdy, a lot of us would have said it might be good business. Time to move on. Okay. Do you want to... I mean, we've been, you know, we'll ask... I don't think I'm allowed to say anyway. I think we'd get in trouble with him. I, su I suppose that the, the, you're not, you're like, not going to get the answer that you want. So I'll, I'll be blunt from the start. But um, we, you know, Harry's contract was up at, at the end of the season. And we had to ensure that the decision, we took a decision that was the best possible decision, decision for the football club financially. What I would say is part of the reason why it took so long to get the deal over the line and why it went so late into the night and um, why a lot of us were probably left the county ground at about two in the morning uh, was that's a really strong position to be in as a selling club on deadline day. The reality is you don't really want to be a buying club, but you do want to be a selling club. Um, and that enabled us to really drive a, a really, really strong deal. And what the other thing that I... What I can say is that there were there's a there's a fee that's been paid for, for Harry, but there are other add-ons and sell-ons within the deal as well. So again, it's a very club-friendly deal for us. And, and again, we talk about club-friendly deals in terms of the contracts we offer to players. We want to make sure we, when we sell players, there's club they're club-friendly as well. So you, you have the add-ons, you have the sell-ons. So there's the opportunity to keep driving revenue and, and bringing transfer money into the club off the back of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, 
we are really happy. I think maybe at the end of last season, you kind of you pluck a figure out of your, your head that you'd like. Um, but I suppose it's, it's a little bit like selling your house. It's only worth what someone's prepared to pay for it. And I think Harry himself had um, had ideas on, on where he wanted to go, the level he wanted to play at as well. But, the, you know, the transfer window was was different this summer as it is every summer. I think it was really, really slow to start with and there weren't there wasn't loads of activity and then it sort of seemed to go absolutely mental in the last in the last seven days or so. so yeah, there were there were some other clubs showing interest in him, but um the one thing that you don't want to make sure you want to make sure doesn't happen at the end of the window is you you get yourself into this situation where you get too greedy and you end up with egg on your face, and, and that's kind of what can happen sometimes if you if you try and bring too many people to the to the table too late in the day, you can end up in a difficult situation. So it does turn into a little bit of a poker match, and it's a case of how do we make sure we've got the best deal for the club and the one that we think is guaranteed and is definitely going to happen. And combined, obviously, with the player being happy, that the player's happy with their personal terms, and it's a club they want to move to, and, and all of those things considered, I think. The club's really happy with the deal. And most importantly as well, I think Harry's really happy with the opportunity that he's got. He was a wonderful servant to the football club in a short period of time. He built a real affinity with the fans. Um, I, I think kind of, he's, it'll almost be like the poster boy for what we're trying to do at this football club to an extent that we're bringing undervalued and underdeveloped talent, give them a, a brilliant environment and a platform to showcase their talent from. And then, you know, if, if the right opportunity comes, we won't stand in their way. You know, if it's financially the best decision for the football club. Hang on, hang on. It's very difficult because we're on the Tom Broadbent Lounge at the moment and they can't hear if uh, you just suddenly shout. So if you'll forgive me, we'll wait till the microphone gets... We will get... We've got more questions too for the Tom Broadbent Lounge. I'd like to ask you a question, sir. Um, just to add to that, I think you comprehensively answered the Harry McCurdy issue. But all, all the transfers in the transfer window are undisclosed. It's difficult for fans to judge what's going on when all you ever read is that player left undisclosed, that player was bought undisclosed. So why were all the transfers undisclosed? <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think clubs are of a similar position, really. They all kind of want... Um, they kind of want that confidentiality and probably think that it, it helps them to, for, the, for the fee not to be disclosed. So it can help them in the negotiating process for new players. So really, I'm afraid it's not, not original. But I mean, look, it doesn't make it an awful lot easier from our own perspective. You know, with fees being undisclosed, you've got to do you've got to do a bit more digging. You've got to lean on your contacts at other clubs and other agents and, and other people in the game to try and find out what people have moved for. So um, it's a little bit challenging. I appreciate it. it's not great for fans. It's one of the, I suppose it's something that's changed within the game um, to an extent. Ellis from the Tom Broadbent Lounge. Yes. Um, one in from our friend Hannes. Um, will there be running, uh, sorry, will you be running any double headers of the women's team after the men's game to maximise maximise the crowd size slash interest? Yeah, that, that is something. So that's on the double headers. That's something we're looking into. 
uh, and we were looking actually uh, to do one relatively soon, but um, I think the, the Women's League didn't approve it. Um, but we're hope, hopefully looking to, to trial one coming up shortly, so watch this space. Uh, it'd be great to, great to see the women's team play on the county ground, as Clem said, which is going to happen this season. I think the idea of a double header uh, hopefully will go down really well and a lot of people would stay um, you know, to watch the, the women's team play after a men's game. It would be. <laughs> That's true. But look, we, we, and there was a cost element to that. But look, we, we, we want to support the women's team. As Clem said, we've made those strides. We think there's great uh, opportunity uh, for the women's, women's team, women's game, the right thing to do. And it'd be great to, to see both teams progress up the leagues together. Any more, Ellis? Yeah. Um, you've improved the community partnerships a lot in recent years. What more do you plan to do around school and young people engagement for the next generation of fans? Look, I think, I think, yeah, I think the football club does a great. Man. I have to say, our community foundation is fantastic as well. Um, you know, uh, John and Shane do a great job there. We work very closely with them. We've got the the schemes that we've got working with the supporters trust as well, and uh, Mike Welsh, the president there, to to get out to to local schools, new football clubs, uh, and have ticketing initiatives. Um, you know, with follow ups. You know, it's really important for us that we build that next generation of fans and we grow the fan base. We want to see the county ground full. That's the key bit, thing, thing for us. So we're looking at more things we can do in that space. Uh, we're looking to see if actually there's, there's some partners or sponsors out there who want to help us with these community ticket initiatives because that would help us grow them really uh, and make them broader. So if there's anybody out there who was keen to sponsor and help with that, we've got James Watts, our new commercial manager. If you could wave his hand up there. In the crowd, he's, he's there ready to work with our partners and sponsors to see if they're interested in helping us along with the foundation to, to grow those schemes and, and uh, you know, get young children, you know, interested in football and, and being more active and equally being being Swindon Town fans. OK. Um... Yes, of course. Just on that as well, we've got a competition that we're running um, we're going to be announcing this week. Ooh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, uh, the competition is for children in schools or young fans to draw their favourite Swindon player. Um, in the competition, we I don't know whether it's going to be um, for, but it'll be for a game at home to be a mascot. So yeah, that should help to maybe get some kids from local schools involved. Um, yeah, being asked that this week. I don't know the details. That's a very rough idea of the competition, but drawing your favourite player or drawing your favourite Lem or Scott or Sandra <laughs> or Rob. Works that all. Oh, this, uh, right, here we go. This is an mm, interesting one. Did Lee Power buy the Andrew Black debenture? And if yes, is he charging the football club interest payments? Clem, what is the situation with the Andrew Black debenture? Can you tell us? <laughs> uh, the bench the have been sorted out hopefully in the next couple of weeks so there is a debenture on the club but hopefully that'll be because of the legal issues hopefully they'll be sorted out we'll give you some good news in the next week or so so <laughs> is it fair to say it's being paid yes <laughs> there you go. Um, right, this is now. 
I don't know, but those of us who go to away games, home games, etc., and buy a bottle of fizzy stuff, you know, to drink. This is a really annoying... I don't know, you can't actually answer this. Can we have bottle tops back on? Uh, I haven't been a fan for many, many years and, and taking, you know, my children into uh, almost every stand here apart from the, the Stratton Bank because it, it's not been open for my fans during the time. Really, um, I get the frustration. I, I really do. We talk really with uh, you know, our stadium manager and safety officer. Uh, I understand it. And we are checking and, and testing the rules. But as you're selling, you know, um, you know, a carbonated drink, and when it fizzes up, it can be quite a, a weapon and, and a missile. Uh, the advice we get from the safety authorities is is to remove the lid. Now, you know, that that's that's because if we don't, we could get into trouble with those safety authorities. Now, we are reviewing it because I get the frustration. I, I do, I've been there myself with kids and trying to manage kids where you've got a a bottle open is really difficult. I haven't tried that myself. Something we're reviewing, but as we understand at the moment, the, the safety rules are that you, we're not allowed to, to, to do that. Others might do, but um, as I say, we'll continue to review the situation, but that, that's why we've got that policy at the moment. <laughs> it is annoying. Everybody, it is. It's simple as that. Alice, you got any more? Yes. Um... Me two seconds. Uh, what is Chris Kiley's role at the club? And that's from Nathan. This helps me with data and us. Yeah, that's what he does for us. Thank you. Number <laughs> one. Um, Given the cost of living crisis, are there any plans to do discounted tickets um, or something like bring a mate in for a fiver uh, and deals for kids, etc.? Just want to make me run backwards and forwards, don't you? I'm an old chap. Give me a break. <laughs> Keep your fit fit. Um, so, so look, I mean, it's something that we're considering looking at. I think when we uh, we come out with uh, the match day bundles and the half season tickets, I think we'll we'll offer some really good value tickets. Uh, obviously, we've got a we've got a balance. We've got to generate obviously the revenue of the club to continue to to build it, pay the debts, build the foundations, as Clem says. And we've got obviously own rising costs ourselves. But it's something that we're we're keen to look at. Um, you know, especially as we get more demand from fans and fill the stadium, it'd be great to see another game where we've got sufficient demand to open the Stratton Bank like we did against Barrow last year. So it's something considered to look at. I think you'll see some good value deals uh, coming through, as I say, in the next month or two. And what we have got is great value in terms of season tickets, uh, which really do give great value and half season tickets will do as well when they come on sale. Right. Goal kicks. <laughs> Why do we persist with short goal kicks when we always seem to get in a right mess with them, Mr. Scott Lindsay? We want to be uh, we want to be dominant. We want to be in control of the game. If we kick a goal kick and it goes up the pitch by sixty yards and ten yards in the air, it's a toss of a coin. A, who's going to land on it? First action, second action, who's going to pick the second ball up? By playing out from the back, we're giving ourselves more of a platform to be in control. 
with the ball um, and bring the ball up through. If you look at how we set up, we set up with a goalkeeper, two centre-halves for either side. And every other player is away from that action. And normally they have two ready to press. So in effect, we're playing 3v2 in half a pitch. If you used to say to me, we're going to play 3v2 in half a pitch, I know what side I'd want to be on. The idea is, is, to, is to draw a press towards you. And then we want to try and play round through or, round through or over the press from there. And subsequently, trying to work the ball with that control through the thirds of the pitch. And we feel that there's a lot of joy can be had from it. Saturday, prime example, second goal, came from that exact action. Sol rolls it two yards to the centre half. Clayton, Clayton has the ball. Fraser Blake Tracy comes in the pitch off the shape, play through. Eight passes later, the ball's in the net. Now, that doesn't happen every time, obviously, because there's uh, 11 other players out there trying to stop us from doing that. If we could play from A to B in one pass and stick it in their net, I would do it every time. But there's, unfortunately, like I say, 11 other players out on the pitch trying to stop us from doing that. So it's not that simple just to go boom up there. And I believe that when you kick it from A to B in the air, 60 yards, it's a toss of a coin. It's a toss of a coin. We did a study on it last time I was here at Swindon in 2015. And the study kind of told us that every time we kick it off the ground, up the pitch, within 30 seconds, our goalkeeper's making a save again. When we played out from the back, played through the thirds, within 30 seconds, their keeper always certainly having an attacking action from, from the back end of that. So that's the reason why we do it. We want to we want to be dominant. We want to be controlled. We want to be in charge of the game and in charge of the ball by kicking it 60 yards up the pitch. Listen, there's times when we have to. If they put a mad press on, we can't invite the press because the press is already there. Then, yeah, we have to. Um, but we have to be smart with how we do it. We have to be positioned properly. Um, we have to make sure that not just that we position properly for the first action, but we're ready for the second, third and fourth action after which... Just, just, just want to add to that as well. Like set pieces are one of the most important parts of the game, and they always will be. And goal kicks are another set piece, and they they give you the opportunity to do what you want to do and dictate the way you want the game to go. So I don't think people always view goal kicks as a set piece, but they are a set piece, and they're a really, really important one. Okay, we've got some more from the floor. I think. Oh, hands going up. Little group there. Um, who wants first? There you go, in the middle, then we'll go back front or front to back. What is it? Right, okay. So, firstly, to put this on tonight, it's much appreciated. Um, building on the point that's made there, Scott Sandro, could you just yeah, harrogate away? You look like you're set up in a 3 5 in three five two or 5 3 2, and we've now gone sort of what looks like 4 3 3. Was that a conscious decision, or was it just a question of ref reflection of where we were in recruitment at that point in time? No, I think uh, with the players that we've recruited, I think. I think we can play. We can play three-five-two. We can play four-diamond-two. We can play four-three-three like we are at the moment. I think it's kind of similarities in in all them formations. I think the three-five-two gives us width, depth, distance, and still your free man in midfield. I think you look at the four-three-three gives you width, depth, depth, distance, and free man in midfield. 
Same with the four diamond too. So if we have them three things, width, depth, distance, depth being the centre half can always chop out and play. Width is an obvious one. Distance meaning the centre forwards can stretch him that way. Then we feel that there'll be enough spaces in the middle of the pitch to go and play and, and pick pockets and and get your glad winch darces on the ball and play. So there's there's in my opinion very similarities in terms of the three five two or like we're playing at the moment four three three. The three five two obviously gives two strikers as well, which I know supporters like to see that. Um, but I also feel that there's um, I think, especially in League Two, I think a lot of League Two teams like to play against two strikers. You ask most centre halves in League Two, they want them, they want to mark two strikers. I think it becomes difficult when you've got a Jacob Wakeling coming in off the left, you've got a Johnny Williams coming in off the right, and you've got a Jeff Cott floating in between the two strikers. They don't know whether to mark, whether to go in tight, whether to drop off, and it confuses them slightly. And then. To add to that, you've got the real pace of Tyree Shade as well, you know. So it's difficult for for oppositions to mark a four-three-three. Um, so yeah, there's there's pluses and minuses to all um, to, to to kind of both systems. But there was no real um, there was no real change in my opinion. I think there's going to be times when I I go back to a, a three-five-two, uh, depending on who you're playing against. I think it probably suits if you're playing against two strikers to play against back three. If you play against a front three, it doesn't. So, again, it depends on who you're playing against. Um, are, there going... are there plans going forward with uh, purchasing our own training ground? We're trying to buy the uh, stadium first, so let's try to buy that and then we'll look at the training ground. But yeah, obviously we are, we're trying to, but at, at the end of the day, we're trying to buy the stadium first and all the developments. Just as a sub subsequent to that, isn't there a deal to be done with Supermarine with, with Webswood Stadium? I mean, you've got so many facilities up there close to it. He's obviously a Swindon fan. Um, Oh, look, we speak to Chess quite a bit. Um, yeah, the, I think there is a there is a deal that can be done, but I'm, obviously we're looking at all options. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of the summer. Then uh, you gave him the opportunity to re-establish his career. Were you personally disappointed by Ben Garner's decision to leave and the manner in which it happened? In that he's obviously talking to Charlton through those poor veil rings. Um, yeah, look, we gave him the opportunity to come to Swindon. Was I disappointed? Yeah, look, I understood his position. He wanted to go to a bigger club. and But, I, I look, I don't begrudge anyone want to leave. If they want to further their career, I don't have any issues with it. So, look, I've had a lot of people come and go. And like I've said before, no one's bigger than the club. Okay, uh, a question in, um, from Twitter. Um, evening all, a friend of mine has asked me to ask a question towards the non-playing staff. Uh, given the amount of time, uh, given the amount that have left the club recently, some of whom have left without jobs to go to, from the outside looking in, it looks as though everything is not, is right, is not right in the background. No, <laughs> I don't agree. Um, listen, 
we we came into the club. Look, there was a lot of mess here, and I'll tell you that now. Um, people have left for their own reasons and stuff like that. Um, there's certain people that we didn't want to go, but they left. Um, no, I don't think the club's quite strong at the moment. We've got really strong people from our players to our back of house staff to everybody. So, no, I don't agree with that. Thank you. Um, um, next one. Do you have any plans to encourage people to attend during the World Cup, which is an opportunity to increase attendances with no Premier League games? <laughs> well, I think yeah, I think it's a great thing for the for the EFL more broadly, and we'll be looking to do our best to encourage people to to come and watch Swindon. Uh, I've got a mate of mine who said uh, uh, on a WhatsApp group that we've got. I went to school with, um, you know, oh, I missed football this weekend. I said, real football's on, mate. Yeah, forget the Premier League. The real football's already on. So I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's also a great opportunity for us to do the Legends Bar a bit more regularly when obviously the England games are on. Uh, as well, uh, and maybe Wales as well, and cheer Johnny Williams on. Um, but um, but no, I think it's something that we'll definitely look at and, and remind people that you know there's uh, there's there's a great game of football down at the county ground, uh, and and forget the uh, you know the uh, multi millionaires in in the Premier League. How about the World Cup, Scott? Because obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention on that. You've got league games to play. We don't, you know, how is it going to be an interference or not? Possibly, because we lose Johnny Williams, maybe, you know. So that's the biggest thing for me. Um, of course, you want Johnny to go there and, and have a World Cup and enjoy him, himself. But it's, it's going to be a big loss for us, you know. So that's the biggest thing for me. Um, and it will be just kind of business as normal. You will be preparing and, and getting on with our season. And, of course, it'll be the things to watch at certain times. So you know, that'll be uh, hopefully exciting. Scott, um, how are you finding it uh, ch changing to uh, the first team coach personally? Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed my time. I think, like I said earlier, the, I need to manage my time better. You know, like I say, I've, I've put everything into it um, and I just need to be efficient. And that's the biggest thing is when you're an assistant, you can have days off and switch off. You can kind of go home and, and see your family and, and have a normal life when you're a head coach. You can't, you can't as much anyway, you know. So that's been the biggest difference is, is kind of uh, the work that's had to go in. Um, but like I say, it's down to me to, to manage my time best, better than I am at the moment. Yeah. Level one. Um, regardless of legalities, what protection does the club slash fans have in regards to the ground um, if Clem sells the club? Um, the clubs 50% would be controlled by the owner. I don't think it's going to sell anytime soon, so don't have to worry too much about this. But, but in terms of the ground purchase, what you've got is a 50-50 a deadlock deal between the club and the supporters. So, you know, that, that that's deadlock. So, you know, that they have to work together on compromise. So we've structured that. Um, you know, Clem and, and myself working with the Supporters Trust and the Supporters Club and, and other groups to make sure that, you know, that for, for generations to come, you know, the, the county ground becomes an asset for the club, for the supporters and provides that legacy. So the fact that it forces them together 
means you know that that it provides that protection. Sell the club. Fair enough. <laughs> sorry to ask. Uh, I know. Sorry. Go on. It's a protection for all fans. It's not for for the club. It's a protection for the fans for generations to come. So when I'm on or whatever, the, the fans will always own the stadium, and that's what we've done. Fabulous. Right. Uh, I know Rob at the back has a question about a certain competition. Uh, Rob, if you want to just indicate to Tim where you are, please. Sorry. Uh, go on. Hello. It's, um, it's about the EFL trophy and the reserves. We don't have a combination anymore. We used to have a football combination for all those people who were old enough like me to remember watching it. But the EFL trophy is much maligned by every football fan, I think. And the timing of it in the middle of the season, these group games, you get such poor attendances. You're at an EFL meeting tomorrow. I wonder if the future of the EFL trophy might be under discussion. I've got a, you know, a really strong view on the competition, and that's pretty. I don't think me and you are going to agree on it, but um, I think it's a really, really valuable competition because, especially for clubs like ourselves that don't have a like an under twenty one set up or under twenty threes or B team or whatever you want to call it, it's a brilliant opportunity to get young footballers a real good, serious first team experience. You know, you, people sort of. Don't speak highly of the competition. Look at that Argyle team that came down here last Tuesday and the quality of the team they played and how many of those players have played on Sunday against Ipswich that sent them top of League One. So you can't tell me that the players that went out and played in that game for Swindon Town didn't learn a lot from that experience. I appreciate from a supporter's perspective, it might not be quite as engaging and, and cut and thrust as a, as a league game. But I think from our perspective, in terms of player development, we learn a lot about it and we learn a lot about our players from playing in the competition. So that, that's kind of my take on it. I don't know what you'd add, Scott. Yeah, no, what I wanted to add to it is from a supporter's point of view, I, I think I think you should embrace it more and watch these youngsters. I think, like, you know, you watch the, uh, the Ben Gladwins, the Johnny Williams play every Saturday and you know kind of what they're about. But to go and watch Mo Dabra um, against a Plymouth, I think you should embrace it. Because I, as a coach, embrace it because I want to give these youngsters a chance and an opportunity and an experience. And I think that there's been a lot of negativity about kind of the sides I've picked, but I think it should be embraced more by, by the fans, you know. I think it's, it, it can be only seen as a positive from, from my point of view. I really do believe that, you know. Because um, these are the players that potentially could be in the team next year in, in the first team on a Saturday. So, you know, come down and watch the George Cowmeadows and... and you know, uh, Mo Dabras and, you know, the young lads that have played. I think it's great. I really do. Sorry, just, just quickly, just quickly on it as well. One second. I, when I've worked at other clubs, I've, I've gone and watched a lot of these games to go and watch a, United, a Man United under-21 team or a Man City under-21 team or a Chelsea under-21 team. Premier League 2 is a brilliant competition, but it's very, very technical, quite tactical, but there's no physicality in it. So the academy system in this country is wonderful, but it doesn't develop and prepare a lot of footballers for where most of them are going to end up spending their career, which is in the EFL. And you get to see good young players that maybe aren't going to make 
the grade at Man City or Man United, you get to see what they're like when they're getting kicked up in the air at Scunthorpe. And, you know, I've seen the likes of Cole Palmer um, and, and, and I think Shola Shuretire and some of these players at the, at the big academies go and do well and you see how they are. And also that then has an impact on us as a club because those are some of the players that we might look to sign on loan or, you know, you... you a Tom Clayton who ends up coming to this club or a Marcel Lavinia and these are the types of players that you get to get an idea of what these lads are going to be like if they come in and play at this level so it's it's definitely a development competition but I think if you view it from a slightly kind of further back kind of perspective um, and view it more as a development product as opposed to solely about winning um, maybe you'll start to appreciate it a little bit more on that point, it's such a great opportunity. Why don't you make it free to ticket holders? As part of, as um, going on from that, um, the first round of the League Cup, make it free to season ticket holders. First round of the FA Cup, make it free to season ticket holders, and take make that as an opportunity to sell more season tickets because you could get drawn away like we have done all the time, you wouldn't lose nothing. But you may sell more season tickets. Uh, the, the things that we will, we will look at, at the end of the day, we've got to uh, balance things up. And I think it's, I equally think it's a, a really good competition. Um, we do get some additional money from the EFL from participating in it as well. Um, so that, that helps the club. But we, as I said, we look at these ideas and, you know, and, and work where, where we can, but we've got to balance the books to make sure that you know, the, the finances sort of work. It costs quite a lot of money to put a game on. You've got security costs, etc. You've got to try and make sure you cover uh, and, the, and the staffing costs as well. But we're always open to looking at ideas in different ways that we can, you know, encourage more people into, into the ground. OK, we've got long left. Uh, we're through a few questions, if that's OK. Um, what is the situation with the car we used to pay for season ticket for parking, but that suddenly stopped with our explanation. What will happen about parking when the hotel is built? This is a town, and of course, which is on to the car. So, so the demand for parking that, that we uh, that we get, if you like, um, uh, for for disabled parking, uh, the parking we have to provide, uh, you know, for staff, hospitality, etc., means that the, the spaces are limited. Um, we try and we try and maximise the space available, but the spaces are are limited and. The demand that we that we have outstrips the if you like the supply, so it makes it difficult to offer that now outside of um, disabled supporters who who we give priority for in respect of match day parking. And obviously, when we have a big game, you know, and the TV cameras are in, they take about half the car park anyway for some reason, and we have to give that to them. And in terms of development, it's obviously something we've got to look at. We, we're keen to provide some parking on space, but we're going to have to work with the planning regulations on parking as we look to do that but be something that we're, we're keen to sort of try and make sure we maximise, but there are planning regulations that will uh, that, that, that may impact what we can do. Okay, just to, to say that if you don't get your question asked tonight, we'll forward them to the club, because I've got a whole pile here which we may not get through. Um, Rob and Clem, your thoughts on the government ditching the fan-led review? I think you might well know that this trust said that they're not going to implement it. It's from Matt, the SN10 Reds. What's your thoughts on that? I think as a as a Swindon Town fan, and you know, and obviously we've all gone through a difficult time um, last last summer before you know Clem Clem took over. Uh, I think you know regulation of football was needed. I think the fan led review was very positive. 
I was lucky enough to, to be involved along with other colleagues at the time at the Supporters Trust to speak to Tracy Crouch and, and give our club as an example and a view as to why uh, better regulation is needed. So I'm, I'm a big supporter of the fan-led review. Um, you know, and I think it's something that, that needs to change. It needs to be better distribution down from the Premier League across the EFL and, and below uh, in, in terms of financials. Um, and equally, there needs to be better regulations to ensure that issues that we've seen here, that you've seen at Bury, Macclesfield, other clubs, you know, never happen again. Um, so I, I really uh, hope that, um, that the government do look to implement uh, a lot of the recommendations in the fan end review. OK, this one's for Scott. When Harry was sold, how comfortable were you due to not having signed a replacement and little time left to do so? Uh, were you uh, gain any of his fee, undisclosed, uh, to use on signings? This is from Roy B. I wasn't uncomfortable because of, we had targets kind of ready to come in, you know, so we'd done our, our work already. Um, knowing that if Harry was to leave we, we were you know we was in a good position so um so no I was never really worried um listen the transfer deadline you know it, it became quite late in the day when Harry went but like Sandro said earlier it, it became a stronger position for us more than anything but we was never worried because like I say we had, we had targets in place do you know the words of the Scott Lindsay song and if yes, who from the past would you choose at the back and in attack? From the past. We can't change the words, can we? It's got to be McDonald and Wakelin, hasn't it? It's got to be. I can't change it. No, I'm not going to. I refuse. Fair enough. The reasons why I refuse is because you might want to change the manager's name as well. You're right in a minute, honest. Um, and and the final one, because I know you gentlemen uh, need to get off, and uh, we've got loads more, but we will forward them on. Uh, what is the intention that funds will receive from Scott Twine's transfer? Will it reduce club debt or be earmarked for the playing side, e.g. a star player when we get promoted from Andy? Who wants to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, obviously, look, we're we're building the club back up. Lots of uh, things that, that that cost money. Obviously, the the debts are something that we're getting on top of when we're managing. But we've actually got the stadium here, which um, you know costs a lot of money to run, and it's an old stadium that's had no real investment in it for probably over fifteen years. So that costs quite a lot of money. There's a lot of work to do. Obviously, buying the ground, developing the ground. But we've also, at the same time, got to make sure we're giving sufficient, you know, budget to Sandra and Scott to strengthen on the playing side. So, I think as Clem said, it will be a mixture of everything really, and working that through what the priorities are at the time. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think it's a tremendous advert for Swindon Town Football Club and and how we've developed Scott Twine, and he's gone on to have a great career. And we hope he goes on and is really successful. And I've Scott, you a big part of that as well uh, for him. Story. Um, you know, and, and the money's as they come in because it is a, another job that's phased over a number of number of years. You know, uh, we'll we'll help the football club, but in but in many ways. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, indeed. I'd like to say thank you to Ellis, Martin, and Joe from the Tom Broadbent Lounge at the back there, who worked really hard. And I'm not sure how Joe's managed to keep his arm up like that all night. It's uh, incredible, but.
I'd really like you to put your hands together, please, uh, for the four gentlemen at the top. Uh, Mr. Rob Angus, Chief Executive. <laughs> Sandra McKayley, the Technical Director. Scott Lindsay, our head coach. And the Australian gentleman on the air, Mr. Claymore Foley. Thank you very much indeed. Here's my boss, Mr. Andy Cousins. Big round of applause for Vic Morgan. <laughs> Just to let you know that this gentleman drives voluntarily up from Exminster, which is near Exeter, to do this. So, quite extraordinary. Yeah. Just a couple of things before we go. Thank you very much for attending. Thank you very much to the four gentlemen here. Um, on our way out, uh, we've got some buckets. Uh, if, if people do have any cash on them now, uh, uh, for the Wiltshire Air Ambulance, I'm sure it's a very deserved cause. Um, and also, if you are interested, as I say, on Monday, October the third, we have Lee Peacock. And Christian Roberts here on a Monday night panel. Again, Vic will be our compare. Uh, and if you'd like to purchase tickets, they're only £5. They're available uh, as you go out as well. So once again, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Uh, and we'll see you on Saturday. Um, they didn't really shy away from much either. If whatever they could answer, they did. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mate, talk about shot away from answers, shot away from questions. Ellis did not. No, no mate, I was asking took some absolute yeah. stones from that. You uh, did take some stones. Fair yeah. play, mate. Well, <laughs> I, I ain't got black eyes, so <laughs> I take that as a positive. Yeah, they'll wait for you in the car park. Yeah. <laughs> Your car's been keyed 15 <laughs> times. <laughs> now, I won't keep the stream going much longer. Obviously, we've all had almost three hours. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. Obviously, it'll be recorded on Twitter, so uh, listen back at your will. Um, Spotify, YouTube, hopefully as well. So, yeah, everyone listening, listen again. Um, thank you for your questions. Obviously, I'll do the draw when I get home of the Dan Designs competition. I'll message the winners of that competition with your um, with your prize. It'll be a Clem Morphoony print or a Scott Lindsay print. One straight for the man cave, I believe. Or the fridge. Um, we've got a Dean McMackin coming in. Oh. Oh, he's having a fight with Martin. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, anyway, guys, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you listen in on Saturday. We'll have the match day live from the Legends Lounge for the visit of Northampton. Um, yeah, as I say, usually we'd end with a, the views in this show are not those of the football club. But it, this time, in fact, it is the views of the football club. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening to Sombra Bent Lounge. Nigel. <laughs>